Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And we are truly on the run home now. Boxhead, eight rounds left in the NRL. Club football has resumed as normal. Teams back into full flight, heading for the finals run. And a couple of flat results on the weekend, a couple of close results on the weekend, a couple of really, really close games, and a few dominant results on the weekend. Bit of a mixed bag. There was, yeah. It's, we're now out of that origin period and we're uh, on the run home. Every team's played... 16 matches with eight to go, so we're officially two-thirds, and this is where the whips get cracking. Well, back to full steam ahead, as always. Set of six for us, Brock. Six thoughts, questions, statements, opinions, anything we have on the game. Our power rankings are back this week, and fan questions obviously up. Review the games from the weekends. We'll get back into that. Obviously, tips, gossip, bets, all those bits and pieces. So here we go on the charge home, but kicking off our set of six, Tackle number one, uh, I think on the weekend, all the clubs and the NRL did a really, really good job of celebrating the milestone games. Obviously, Gavin Cooper, his 300th game out there at Central Coast Stadium, thought the Cowboys did a really, really good job, and they're going to celebrate him this week when they go back home in front of their own fans, which is great. Uh, Benji Marshall and the Tigers in the NRL, Bankwest Stadium, and the impromptu Harker after the game from his family and friends, I thought was absolutely outstanding. And, the tribute clip I saw on Channel 9 where his mum came in and um, some ex-teammates and all that kind of stuff. And then Cameron Smith 400th. Like, the bloke already owns every bloody record in the game, but the whole setup down there and the way the club celebrates its milestones, Melbourne do an absolutely outstanding job. And, and again, um, every bit of it, the stadium blackout, the signboards, the walk-in, the ex-players, his family, letting all the fans on the field for that night as well, the first ever NRL player to crack 400 and then another uh, impromptu Harko after the game from the heavy Kiwi contingent they have at the club. Well, I just thought all those milestones were outstanding on the weekend for three outstanding players. Yeah, I can't add much more than that. Uh, I think we're getting better <clears throat> as a game at celebrating milestones. I don't think any club uh, or any of the opposition players uh, or administration staff could have done a better job help helping those players celebrate their milestones. Uh, unfortunately for Benji, he was the only one that didn't get the result, but um, I thought he played fairly well again, and it looks like he'll go around again uh, next year. Yeah, and rightfully so. We talked about this earlier in the year. I'm looking at the Tigers, and we're looking at their options and some of their juniors, and watching Cup, Reynolds is clearly frustrated, but he's definitely not playing well enough. I'm not surprised they're trying to move him on, plus he's injury-prone. Jock Madden, the young bloke they got from Newcastle, he's not ready to play grade yet, but he's only 19. So there's development there. You've got Brooks, you've got Benji. I think he's freed Brooks up the way he now controls the side. He's averaging almost 100 metres a game and running 14 times a game. Um, if you don't have somebody better or you don't want to go to market, why not keep Benji? And his form warrants it at the moment. Yeah, it does. And they wouldn't have to break the bank to keep him either. So 
if he does decide to play on, I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But tackle two, uh, the Cronulla Sharks situation. They've gone from being in this slump here where they lost five or six headline players from their squad, top-end players. They blooded all these kids. They still managed to win five or seven or whatever it was, and things are looking real rosy, especially on my side of things. I was obviously pretty heavy and on board with them. Since they've got all their players back, they've bombed three games in a row by two points. They got dusted on the weekend, and now they've got an injury crisis again. Moylan, Wade Graham, Josh Morris, they're now missing four or five players again. So looking at that, then you hear the stories, obviously, that the last few weeks with some of the reshuffles that Morris may have taken a little bit of direction from his players. Dugan didn't like being on the in the wing and he wanted to play centre and vice versa. And things all getting shuffled around and it just kind of makes you sit there and scratch your head and just think, well, fuck. It's, it's, it's all gone downhill very quickly after looking very positive. Oh, I think <clears throat> what's really influencing Cronulla at the moment is the fact they're losing. When you're losing... Things seem a lot worse than what they actually are. If they were winning and they snuck one of those, one or two of those games um, out, <clears throat> I don't think there'd be much conjecture and, and drama. So I don't know. I, I just think they've got an abrasive roster, a cocky roster, and an old roster. Uh, but I, I love them. I, they are very, very unique, Cronulla. That, mm. That's one thing that I'd say about the Cronulla roster. Uh, I love watching them play. I love it when it blows up and they burn. I love it when they play well and they win. I just think they're good TV. I, put, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't particularly like them when my team's playing them, um, and I've said that before and upset some people. But I, I don't, I don't take that back uh, because I, I think they've acknowledged that that's what si- type of side they are. Yeah. They, their home ground, their fans are, are crazy. They rip in and they make it uncomfortable. And you know, when you've had Paul Gallon as your leader for the last. 10 or 15 years. And Flanagan, hang, who's a hard yeah, nut. Like it's, you're hanging your hat on that abrasive, aggressive, in-your-face style game, and that's what they are. So, I, yeah, I, I think they're must-watch TV at the moment. Uh, I don't think things are as bad as what they seem. I still think they'll get into the eight. Uh, I think they currently sit a little bit below where they should, but... I think they you know, I definitely think, sit below I think where they should. A, they, I don't think they're a top four side. I think they're a bottom of the top eight side. I'm just um, saying, to, to me, they shouldn't be in the position that no, they're in. And, I, I, you and know, I acknowledge that two bad injury patches haven't helped and this injury patch hasn't helped now. But the one thing I lean to, I well, guess... having Wade Graham out a huge out. You see the impact that him, he had. I know that, but he's... Winning. I understand that. But he's going to make their side a lot better. Having him out is significant. Because look at look at the impact he had on the Blues in game two. Well, the only thing that comforts me a little <laughs> bit, and I was about to reference this, was that, again, their record wasn't that bad when they got the young blokes all back in. So if this week yeah. Johnson's out and Flanagan's in and Sherry's allowed to play centre, if Dugan is missing, I haven't seen the lineups yet, but I'm hoping that those young guys come back in and ramp things back up again. But their draw, I haven't had too close a look at it yet, but I don't think it's the friendliest on the way home. And they've now got themselves in a situation with the four losses in a row where they're going to have to scrap to probably get in the bottom half of the eight because a lot of the teams around them are probably going to continue to win as well. So um, just a little bit disappointing. I think from a Morris perspective, like you said, there's a lot of egos. He's a younger guy. I think he may have let a few things slip and now he's probably realising that's not really... He can be forgiven for that. He's a rookie. He's this a rookie is, coach. But this is this is why, and look, I'll say it again, that ex-first-graders shouldn't just be handed first-grade jobs because they don't... You know, to, to his credit, he has... He did an apprenticeship. He, he, he did his master's and he's done a few courses that I've, I've seen him at. So I think he's always had an eye for wanting to move into... Mm. Uh, first grade and coaching. He did three years of. Um, you and know, he did three years 20s of. Bit, and he did the development pathway. You know, he's, he's cut his teeth more than what some yeah. have. 
However, he's still very much uh, learning his trade. But dealing with NRL players, I guess, is the different story. <coughs> and what you said and dealing with players that you've played with. Some abrasive, egotistical, sort of arrogant personalities at times or guys that, you know... So I think he may have learned a few lessons the last few well, weeks. And, and don't get me wrong. The egos are a result of them being good players. Yeah, they are. They're, they've got egos because they're good. But at the moment... Um, because they're, they're highly paid. They're not winning. And I think my other issue... They've again, recently won a comp. <clears throat> yeah. I'm just saying, all these things, all these things impact those, on... A lot of those players doesn't matter. are gone. It doesn't matter. It, it does impact on how blokes carry themselves. But at the end of the day, I think, for me, they have to be in the eight. They should be in the If eight, they yeah. miss the eight, that's a fail. Like, the injuries have hindered it somewhat, but to me, with their roster, they can't miss the eight. That would be a failure in my eyes, but um, hopefully they get that sorted out. Tackle three, refs in the bunker. It was a mixed weekend again. Uh, uh, there, there was a couple of calls that sort of baffled me, in particular, looking at the Manly game, where they just blew that try, where Moses Sully knocked the ball forward, and then it's come off a South player, and they've just caught it like it was planned. Like, he didn't have control of the ball. It touches Cody Walker. To me, that's a knock on. And then there was one later in the game. I can't quite remember that. I think it probably should have been a try, and they called it a no try. Uh, there was a few other games as well. There was, there was about seven or eight moments across the weekend that just kind of had me scratching my head. I know a lot of people weren't happy with Newcastle on Friday night, the Remus Smith try, mm. watching the replay. Oh, I think what people were unhappy with there was the fact it was called no try and then overturned. There, there wasn't evidence to overturn it. <clears throat> I thought it was pretty close, but again, I couldn't be 100% sure, and that's how it's supposed to be ruled on. But so. again, there you go. Me and you have got a different opinion on it. So. I think for a couple of weeks now, it's fair to say that they've had a pretty scratchy period. The, the last three weeks, they've been poor, yes. So I think the big thing, obviously, that we're going to take out of that is we want that fixed up before the finals. Absolutely. We're still a yeah. fair way out, but we don't want people being cost a spot in the finals or cost a game in the finals on shit decisions when we've got four officials on the field and we've got the bunker. And we've seen some howlers with tries the last few weeks as well. They need to do a better job. Yeah. So hopefully that is fixed. And on the back of that, tackle four, um, they're looking to make a change this week after a few poor weeks with some players. And we're going to see the first ever female referee in the history of the NRL, Belinda Sharp, gets her start this week. I think it was the Thursday night game. They're talking about the Broncos versus the Bulldogs. So this is a big moment. Huge moment. Big moment in the game. But I don't think it should be. It should be celebrated. But I don't think we should make too much of a deal of it because she's earned it. Mm. That that's the line coming out of the referees, and she has to. We've seen her for a lot of years, um, <clears> the lower <throat> grades, the twenties, all those bits and pieces coming through. That's fine. I just don't think that it should be made. It should be made a huge deal because she's the first ever female referee. I just don't think it should be made a big deal because she's a female. Like, she's earned her right to be there. Hundred percent. So play on, young lady. Rip in. Uh, I think it'll be interesting. Mm. Uh, I, I remember um, a few female referees when I was playing Harold Matson SG Ball. Uh, and whether whether people like it or not, you can cut this however way you want and you can get offended or whatever. I changed my behaviour and the way I spoke to referees based on the fact that it was a female. Mm. So, I, you know, I, I think that'll be... Uh, <clears throat> it'll be interesting. The players will probably go to snap and then... Remember that it's a, a young lady that's refereeing them, and they probably will bite their tongue a little bit. And I, I, I actually think it's good for the game. Well, let's hope so, because I'd hate um, to think that something ugly does occur or in the heat of the moment. But no, but and, and even still, you know, she she understands that she's going to run out, and there's 36 men out there. So look, I just hope she holds no bars and just goes whack. Yeah. And and if she cops any dissent, 
she treats it as though she would if um, she was uh, refereeing and 36 more females. Importantly, again, I hope no errors like some of the other guys have had. Hopefully she has a clean game. Oh, good game. she makes errors. She makes errors. Like, do you know, you know what I mean? Like, the, all the referees are making errors. I get that, but you don't, we don't want any more clunkers. So I'm hoping this week they've kind of dropped a few plays. She's getting her first run. I hope she has a cracker, a clean game. We don't hear anything about it afterwards. Yeah. So there's no ammo, basically, in the media. It's more the point I'm looking to make. But a great moment for her. Tackle five, and the last two tackles are probably the bigger ones that most people want to talk about. The Kotrick send-off, Ricky's reaction, and just all the talk about it the last few days. First and foremost, do you think it was a send-off? Yes. And I'd agree with you. Whether he's lost control of the tackle, which I completely agree he has, and he's not a dirty player, etc., all the bits and pieces. All I'd say is I don't think it was intentional. No, it wasn't intentional. But I don't think that should matter. But at the end of the day, the position he put him in, like again, we can't look to see what could have happened, but that's the kind of tackle that we don't want in our game when someone ends up on the back of their head or neck as the first point of contact. Mm-hmm. We went through that a couple of years ago. That's not pretty. I have no problem with the charge or the send-off and Ricky's reaction, his press conference. There was a couple of moments I had a bit of a chuckle on that, but the way he hammered the journalist and said, if you think that's a spear tackle, you don't know the game. But the ranting and the raving, saying that Canberra are targeted, it's, just, it's a crock of horseshit. It was a dangerous tackle. It's been charged. I don't think he's a dirty player. I think he lost at the moment he lifted his legs off the ground. He drove through the tackle when he carried through the momentum, and the moment he drove through and got his legs off the ground, he lost all control. Yeah. But it was ugly, but it was unintentional. Nick Kotrick, we've watched all the way through the juniors. He's not (coughs) a dirty player at all. But I think also at times now, this is another reason why you don't see a lot of blokes tackle low anymore. I hear a lot of people carry on and go, I want it, people lift and drive or do these bits and pieces anymore. And I think that's a reason why. I think there's also a bit of fear and stigma around those sort of tackles now, given the results of what can happen. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought Ricky carried on like a peanut, to be completely honest, which is pretty normal. I got a few giggles and bits out of it, but the, the bit at the end where he went right after the journalist and said, you don't know the game and you shouldn't be a journalist, etc. if people think it's a spear tackle. Spear tackle... Dangerous show, whatever, however the fuck you want to put it, it was a bad tackle. Yeah. And it deserved to be charged. And the send off, yeah, I have no problem with it. There's been one coming for a long time. There's a lot of things that probably should have led to send offs that haven't. Yeah. But after the last few weeks, some of the things and ramping up on penalties from uh, the judiciary in the game, again, I don't really like when we get reactive, but if it's in result of player safety, I don't have a problem with it. Hard to argue, my friend. <clears throat> Mate, tackle six, the big one, the Titans. And Garth Brennan, he's been sacked. He's gone skis. Yeah. Mal's review, we, we had mail that had happened weeks ago. The review was all kind of a bogus thing. He was a dead man walking. Obviously, the other bit of mail was that he's already packed his office up before they went down and played Penrith on Friday. Um, I guess now the whole question is, what was the point of the review? We, we basically knew the moment that happened that he was a dead man walking. <coughs> How much, you know... Did it, but to me, at the start of the year when they brought Mal Meninga in, that was riding on the wall straight away. Mm. Well, they brought him in as the, <coughs> uh, the culture and performance yeah. expert or, you know, whatever his role is, it's based on performance and culture. It That's was, the coach's job. It was curtains straight away. <laughs> curtains, Gus Gould said on uh, 100% footy, he had dinner with Garth six weeks ago. Garth knew he was gone then. So to mm. read into that what you want. But if you're going to cut through the cloth, the club's had three coaches since 2007. John Cartwright... Um, who was a rookie coach, Neil Henry, who had been sacked by the North Queensland Cowboys, Garth Brennan, who's a rookie coach. Now, it's interesting to note that, you know, Phil Gould's very huffy. He was very huffy and puffy on Garth Brennan. However, when Ivan Cleary was sacked at Penrith in 2015, at the end of 2015, 
Garth Brennan was there, and he'd he'd already anointed Garth as the next best coach and the next NRL coach in line. He was overlooked for the job ahead of Anthony Griffin and made to be Anthony Griffin's assistant coach. Um, the Gold Coast have made the finals three out of 13 years. And in those uh, three finals appearances, they've won one game against the Warriors at home. They've lost four. Um, the playing roster has dwindled. The playing roster has their head up their ass. Watching them on Friday night at Penrith was embarrassing. It was it was it was embarrassing. There weren't there wasn't a Titans fan at the ground. Uh, I would have been the only one, and I was hardly vocal. Uh, I just stood in amazement and just watched a club run around that has no identity, mm. no passion. They've got a good roster. If you look at names and reputations, but in terms of performances, they've been fucking horrendous. Mm. And the club is an absolute basket case. The club is a joke. Uh, you know, I, I saw Mal Meninga and some of the coaches walk out of a meeting yesterday. Uh, some of them had smirks on their faces. Jared Wallace was on camera smirking as he walked out of a meeting. Yeah. That's that's to me says Shit. everything that's fucking wrong with the place. Yeah, they should be embarrassed. Jared Wallace should be embarrassed in the way he's playing. Yeah. Shannon Boyd should be embarrassed by the way he's playing at the moment. Tyron Peachy should be embarrassed that he took the deal um, and then now wants to head back to Penrith. I, I just think we're a little bit soft on players and teams that underperform. And I, I find it really interesting how the media has just jumped all over the Titans this week because Brennan's been sacked. This has been going on for fucking two years. I blew up a couple of years ago and some people out there said the Hain thing was right. But to me, like that just That's showed, where it all started. That's an embarrassment right there that they went to a coach who had started to turn things around, doing it the right way, getting them play a hard brand of football and putting discipline in the team. And they basically went to him and said, we can get Jared Hain back. We're going to sell memberships, jerseys, tickets. And he's like, I don't want him. They're like, well, you have no say in that. And then within less than a preseason, the team's been fucking poisoned. Everything went backwards. Culture's yep. gone out the window. He's trying to discipline him, and then that costs the group, and he's trying to put that example out. The other players get sick of it because they're getting punished for his thing, and all of it falls apart within 12 months. Yeah. And then you sack him. They interviewed four coaches. They actually did full-blown interviews, and the only bloke they hired was a bloke who never did an interview off the back of asking their million-dollar halfback who they paid up front who he would prefer and obviously getting probably some feedback from Gus and other people. Yeah. And then you get him in for two years, give him carte blanche on the contract situation, don't really manage the salary cap side of things or at least keep an eye on all of it, and now you're in a fucking shit show again because you fire him only 18 months into a deal. Like, you know, and then, then again, like to bring Mallon at the start of the year after only 12 months pretty much said right then that he was a dead man walking and they weren't happy. But like you said, I think for but as now, much... Now, for, now everyone, and this is what annoys me in the media as well, everyone's anointing Kevin Walters as the coach. Mm. He's the man to get the job, and he's a good bloke. And look, well, I don't know. I don't, a good bloke too. I don't know Kevin Walters from a bar of soap, but the, f- the fact is, he's lost the last two State of Origin series. He won one um, series when he first came in, uh, or did he win two series? I don't even two. know. Okay, two series when he first came in, on the back of that, you know, good era of, of Queensland <clears throat> um, dominance. What I will say, though, is he's never coached um, at at NRL level. He's coached Catalans. Uh, He's been down at the Melbourne Storm. But what's really turned me off Kevin Walters as an NRL coach is how he carried on this year during the Origin Series, having to get the Whisperer in. You know, he'll then 
not say New South Wales's name, and then a couple of times in a press conference he'll say New South Wales, and then after the game he'll come out. You know, after the first game he, he sort of didn't say a lot about New South Wales. He gets towelled in the second game, then wants to say New South Wales in the yeah, press conference. It's just the lack of consistency in the approach. I think. I think he made a real rod for his own back with with all that shit because him and the players were it was only ever going to go one way. Yeah. Everyone was everyone was trying to get him to cock up. Yeah. I, I just don't believe that he has proven himself to be an NRL coach. I think he's going to get the gig if he gets the gig on the fact he's a good bloke. And I think and the fact he's a Queenslander this time around as well. I think and it's also. you know we want to get him in because he's a Queenslander. No, yeah. get the best person in for the job. The other thing is the Can link you... to Mel Meninga. Yeah. Oh, look, would I, would I rather would I rather Kevin Walters and Garth Brennan? I, I don't know. I wouldn't. I, I honestly don't know. I'd, I know who I would rather. I'd rather Justin Holbrook, who's won sixty three games out of seventy one or something over in the Super League. This, he's cut his teeth in reserve grade footy. He's been at the Roosters. This again, though, right? If I'm Justin Holbrook, I don't want the job. If, if I'm Justin Holbrook, I'd be fucking staying at St Helens. I don't want the job. And you know why I don't? Want Adam the job? O'Brien for, would be another one. For he, why the hell Adam would O'Brien he want to leave? Yeah. Job. Well, I'm just saying yeah. they'd be the guys who, I, who I'd be going. My whole point for these two, right, is they have to all, talk to. They have big credibility and backing right now. And the first job there supposedly supposed to walk into is one that's gridlocked with shit contracts with players you're not going to be able to move and you're going to have a bloke above you who failed as an NRL coach 15 something years ago and had 10 years of dominance and origin now he's the Australian coach. like good on Melvin Inga but again also at club land player recruitment to me he's already shown his hand when apparently he had a big part in going out and getting Callum Watkins who we both know is fresh off an ACL and 30 years old yeah like that's not really fucking solving the Gold Coast problems. It's not. But I'm not taking a job if I'm Justin Holbrook and I've done 20s and assistant NRL gigs at multiple clubs and he's done a real good apprenticeship and now he's dominating over in England like McGuire did. Yeah. I'm not going into a club where I'm going to be dictated to by somebody sitting above me who I might feel is undermining me or hovering around. Mm. And for Kev Walters, I don't think it's a bad idea to have a bit of an infrastructure around him and I think he would need good assistance to succeed in that thing. But going back to your point before... The reason I wouldn't have Kevin Walters is off that inconsistency of personality you just said. Yeah. For me, he's very irritable and he takes things very personally. And anything that happens during Origin, he's always very narky and angry. And when they're happy, when they win, he's all good. When they lose, he's pretty snappy. And that's a three-game series Yeah. with the best players in the competition. So how's he going to go over 24 weeks, pre-seasons, off-field dramas, junior players coming up, rumours about players being happy, unhappy signings? Like it's Origin and NRL don't even compare. Mm. No. They no. all say, oh, it's such a draining period. Right? Like, fuck. Oh, you know, it is a busy period, but you have the best players. You don't have to overly coach them. There's not a whole lot that goes into it, it as compared to, if you want to compare it to an NRL gig. An NRL gig, you need to be across everything. And to me, he's shown, like I said, that irritability and inconsistency in personality over a three-game series. So how is he going to go running a whole club? Is he a good developer of talent? Does he know how to delegate? Is he a recruiter? Is he a development coach? Is he a good NRL coach? Like, I'm sure he's a good halves coach. He had good success there at Brisbane. But again, <clears throat> even with his apprenticeship, like they talk about, I don't, I'm don't. i not clear what assistant role he had at Melbourne. Like, was he full-on in control of the attack or was he helpful with our halves? At Brisbane, he was helping with the halves. With yeah. Queensland, he, you know, he's got a couple of assistants there, but he's obviously been in charge at last year. Like, I don't know, bar the Catalans thing, how much full-blown <laughs> control and head coaching experience he's had. And the other issue, I guess, for the Titans side of things, when they read out all the names yesterday, so Anthony Griffin is a good, hard, disciplined coach. He's not going to work under Melbourne Inga. No. He's already shown before, and he, nor should he. And again, I wasn't his biggest fan at Penrith, but he had some success at the Broncos. 
he had some success at Penrith. He didn't win a comp, but he consistently made finals. He got players in the first grade, and he's a hard ass. Uh, you got Trent Barrett, who I wouldn't hire. Trent Barrett, to me, he quit on the Manly job, and they're all saying that, you know, he should get another run. The way he walked out of there, and Des has just walked in and picked it back up and started home with it. I think says all you need to know. Mm. They clearly weren't playing for him at the end. They're happy, very happy, and now they're playing for Des Hasler. Uh, you know, there's Dimitri at South. I don't think if, even for him after a bit of time now, I think he'll stay with Wayne, and that'd be the smart move at this point in time. Uh, yeah. After being there a couple of years, I think he might be another one of these guys that may be anointed in a few years' time, and I'm sure he's in a good packet there. Adam O'Brien and Holbrook are your two gun candidates, like you're saying, and I'd I'd want either. But again, there'd be a lot of conditions if I'm one of those coaches. I'd want full control. There's no Melmaninger interference. The board's not telling me what to do, and it's not going to happen overnight. Like it's not going to happen overnight. Dennis no. Watt came out and said this is the last stand, and they're talking like they need results immediately. <laughs> Shannon Boyd, like seven hundred thousand dollars. The Peachy contract, do they move that on? Taylor on a million dollars, not on the field. Leilani Latu came up on about four hundred thousand. Has been playing Queensland Cup. Bryce Cartwright, and that was I said going to be the death of Brennan before he even got going. Got him, didn't get him for a price, or didn't get him for a negotiated fee. Got him released, and then re-signed him for four years on about seven hundred thousand mm. dollars. There are some shit contracts. <laughs> yeah, Jared Wallace is probably on six fifty. $700,000. And the only couple of building pieces we spoke about this the other day that I'd really want moving forward, AJ Brimson, Jairo, who's off contract next year. And to be honest, if I'm Jairo, I don't want to fucking be there the way things are going. And they've they got a big decision coming up in the next few weeks. And it's going to play a big part in his future. Mm-hmm. And the other player is Moiaki Fotueka. So you've got a prop, an origin lock, and one of the better dynamic young halves slash fullbacks. Yeah. And there's not a whole lot else I want there. And anyone that comes off contract you know, on any of those deals in the next couple of years or if I can move anybody, honestly, I'd probably take the salary cap hit right now and just go out and try and steal people's young players and do what Newcastle did a couple of years ago of Nathan Brown because that's the situation I think they're in. Yeah. The difference is Newcastle have a feeder system that they slowly produce players through along with buying talent to accrue the roster they've got now. The Gold Coast problem is they do have some juniors, but <coughs> I don't think they're going to be able to produce anywhere near enough as compared to what Newcastle did in that time nor attract players to come there because no offence again but Newcastle has a good history they've got Joey Johns and Badiris and these kind of guys and they've got a loyal town and something kind of behind it or a culture or a draw to it to me the Gold Coast the only draw right now for a lot of people is a pay packet the lifestyle and not football and talking everyone's talking not get a rookie coach well again out of those experienced coaches you know to me, like Griffin would come in and be a hard ass and all that, but I don't think anyone's going to be able to fix it in a short period of time. No. If they get Justin Holbrook, this is a long term investment. And there was even rumours people saying about Nathan Brown's contract because it's so loose. Would they get him up there for another rebuild? I'm sure he could do a half decent job, but if I'm Nathan Brown, don't want to go through all that bullshit again. Can I trust that I'm not going to get knifed? Yeah. I'd rather just stay where, where I am after all the work I've just put in. Yeah. Even if he does have an open-ended contract, with what's going on at Newcastle and their juniors are going good again as well, and there's more players coming, why the fuck would he leave there? Mm. So I think their options are again a bunch of recycle coaches and a couple of rookies, but they need to fucking get it right. Yeah, and they need to stay out of the way. No Jared Hayne injections, no interference, no shit contracts. They just need to put somebody in. No Melmaninger interference, and say fucking game on. And the only other one I didn't mention is they mentioned the Walker brothers, and we spoke about this earlier. I think they've proven they can coach, and they do it up there on a much smaller budget. They won a comp a couple of years ago. They're competitive on and off up there. Um, again, they don't get a lot of feeder players. They don't get a lot of money to spend. They can definitely coach. 
but now is probably not the time when your CEO is using, as we said before, words like this is the last stand <clears throat> to bring in, you know, that kind of setup. But I think they could be successful as well. But again, it's not going to be overnight. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not the time to do it. So hat in your hand right now, <clears throat> I'm sure you'd agree. Of all the coaches that are available, I'd want Adam O'Brien or Justin Holbrook, the yep. one that's realistic. Is Holbrook, but I think there's going to have to be some serious fucking strings attached to it if I'm Justin Holbrook. Like even Jeff Tuvey last night through no. something, it's an embarrassment. No. The no, way no. he carries on on TV, not a chance. No. So for me, it's but, but this is what shits me in the bus because, oh, it'd be great to have him back. It's like, stop being his fucking mate. Well, that's the there's problem. There's too much matey matey shit going on in the media. And whether you like it or not, people watch that in positions of power and, and they buy they into buy. it. And this is what we're, nothing we're saying is personal. Some of these people don't know, but going off, you know, football acumen what they're talking about, what's happened in the past, recruit, putting all together all and the bits and pieces. Like, you know, the, the um, Titan CEO gets in front of the camera yesterday and says, oh, we're going to run a very thorough process. And so last, year, last year, you re- last time you ran a process and then fucking signed the bloke that didn't interview, wasn't even part of the process. Yeah. Like, how unprofessional can you get? Yeah. It's, it's borderline a zoo. It's fucking There's takeaway scary. shops run fucking more professionally than the Gold Coast Titans. Mm. It's, and that's probably a slide on some takeaway shops. I'll give you a tip. <laughs> well, first things first. There's some contracts this off season I'd be trying to move if I got in as a new coach, but I don't think they'll be able to. I think the Peachy thing, if he's unhappy, you get that done to Penrith. You, just you know get... the one where they've cocked up massively is that Madge McGuire wanted that job. He did want that job. He wanted the job. He wanted any job he could get his hands on basically at the time. And they could have had first dibs if they got oh, in. Fuck. The guys won a won a comp in the UK and won a comp in the NRL. What yeah. more do you want? It wasn't by fucking mistake. And, oh, he's, my God. and he's doing he's getting much more out of the sponge than I expected again this year out of the Tigers. Oh, that, I tipped them to run last and they've they're gonna run nowhere near last. They might play finals footy. Yeah. They're massively overachieving. Yeah. So all right. <coughs> Tight thing at the end of the day, uh, whether they bothered Just to re- really pray for me. Because I'm just sick of I'm sick of knowing at the start of the year that my team is fucking zero chance of doing anything. I'm sick of it. Mm. Yeah, I watched them play and it like people are laughing at them. Mm. Shannon Boyd was walking off the field on Friday night and people were laughing at him. Mm. Like if that if that can't fire them up, fire the players up in that dressing room. Yeah, Even the fact that you're just a joke. You're a yeah. joke. Yeah. People do not take you seriously at all. Because they're fucking terrible. The amount of time, like I wish I would have just written down and recorded how many time, times over sort of the, the period from where the Penrith game, Brennan getting sacked to now, how many people actually laugh when the Gold Coast Titans were mentioned? Because it would have been a handful. And it's nothing against the people who laughed. Because the fact of the matter is they are a laughing stock. Mm. It's true. It really but is But for true. me, I, I don't understand why I take that more personally and get more fired up than what the players do. That, that tells me everything that's, that's wrong with the That's joint. the problem. That's the whole problem. But end of the day, number one coaching <laughs> candidate for you is Holbrook. Yeah. If you could get someone right now, not out again. <laughs> or, not... or if they could go and get a Bellamy or go and get a Maguire or go and get it. To. Like, good luck. Yeah, but I'm okay. just saying that, you know, unless you can, or unless one of them comes to you and says, hey, look, I, which isn't going to happen. No, it's not happening. Um, but why, yes, why would but you, yes. Again, in terms of in terms of the candidates guys? that we we're scratching this, and we don't know who's applied for the job. We we know nothing, yeah. right? We do know that Justin Holbrook has said that he's going to apply for the job. Um, Kevin Walters has said, "I don't want the job." Well, he wants them to come to him, I think, because no, he feels like shit. he's been burned. Bad a few luck. Times. You weren't burned at the Titans. You were burned at Brisbane. Hmm. 
So if if they're gonna if they're gonna go through a process and you don't want to be part of that, Kev, then don't fucking bitch and moan that you didn't get the job. Because that's coaching. That's that's any time, any any sort of position, any position at my school, an internal position at my school, through full time staff. If more than two people go for it, they have to run a process and a panel. That's how professional Boom. fucking occupations work. We do it for ours with leading hand spots. Even if there's two people, there you go. they don't pick one. That they is, still that is make you go through the way the of the world, Uncle process. Kev. It's the exact same interview for both candidates. Correct. have to do it. So. It's All a right. process. All right, we'll get off that one. I'm with you, Holbrook or O'Brien, but I don't think they'll get O'Brien. Holbrook, I think, again. Holbrook, and look, you know that I watch a shitload of Super League. He's super He's super impressive. But again, he's done... But it's a shit comp. He's done... That, yeah, that worries with me it, a little bit. But he's done the apprenticeship. <laughs> done the apprenticeship. He's done a huge One thing I will say about St. Helens, and, and the two areas I judge coaches on, fundamental skill, tackling. They do both very they well. They do both very well. And they play a good brand of footy too. So, all right, set of six, over... Into the power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre, the award-winning Penrith Solar Centre. They won the 2019 Trades and Services Best Business in Penrith. If you're in Western Sydney, Lower Blue Mountains, Hawkesbury, somewhere in the region, there is no better place to get solar from than the Penrith Solar Centre. So don't be sidelined by rising power bills this season. The team at PSC are dedicated to providing Western Sydney residents with the highest quality solar experience when it comes to tackling your electricity bills, the team at PSC will get you over the trial line, saving you thousands per year in energy costs. Call them today on 1800 20 or visit au. We've had a few get on board, Boxhead. We're yeah, on we board. Have, yeah. A couple more this year. Again, <laughs> heading into summertime, get on to Penrosola Centre. Uh, they're good at what they do. The award speaks for itself. They're very, very dedicated and good staff. But Power Rankings, Boxhead, it's been a while for the origin period. We haven't done them. Obviously, we're now back. Uh, I think a few of these are pretty straightforward, but number one for me, Melbourne Storm. Melbourne Storm. They are how many ahead now? I think three clear. There you go. Ticking away. <clears> They're <throat> resting there. Any origin player that played a full series is resting this week. And how could They're you play? They're playing the Titans. Like, They're hello. in a position to do so yeah. because they've earned the right with the wins they've got. So, yeah. uh, number one. Number two, I left the Roosters there. Yeah, I got the Roosters there as well. For me, again, I know a lot of people would say, oh, they've been playing great. Listen, when's, the, when's the last time Lewis, their fucking spine played? These are your power rankings, brother. Yeah, I know. But People who don't like I'm it. I'm just putting logic into some of these, though. Like, again, when you put things out there, when has their spine been together? When's the last time all four of them played together? I, I've got to be honest. That that The the game on the weekend was the first time I'm a little, I got a little bit worried about the Roosters. No, Teddy. <clears throat> Jake Friends first I know that, game back. Takiyaho off injury. I like, got worried with how Cooper Cronk's demeanour at halftime. I got worried that Robinson was getting frustrated and a little bit panicky post-game. I, I don't know. I'm not saying that the wheels are going to fall off. No. But it's the first time this year I've thought, okay. I'm still not buying There are a few um, little cracks there. That's all. There's too much quality. <laughs> and I think when you get those guys back together for a few weeks, Kiri had a six-week stint off. Kronk missed the start of the year. Friend had two long stints. And Teddy's been in and out through origin. You put your spine on the field week in, week out with a half-decent roll forward, which they definitely don't lack. I think they get back to winning ways without yeah. any worries. <clears> and I'm really not worried. Number three, Souths. Jagged win on the weekend. Obviously lost a couple in a row before that, but no one has been more injury hit, and they had a heavy origin toll. They've used over thirty players, which generally means you finish in the bottom four, if not last. They're in the top four. Yeah, not just top four; they're in the top three. Um, and they found a way to win on the weekend. So good way to get back into it. Tom and Sam are still to come back, which would definitely help because they're lacking bit in the middles kind of department right now. And Alex Johnston, 
which then gives them more options as far as the back line and speed for the back of the field. I'm not worried about them either. No, me either. No. Tackle four, Canberra Raiders. Number uh, four, Canberra Raiders. Yep. Yes, they're at the Raiders. Good win on the weekend. Again, Hodgson back in. They had a couple of injuries themselves. They won a few games during the origin period. Jack White and certainly growing for that experience. Joshua Parley's, I think, having one of his best seasons, if not his best season, in the NRL to date. Um, I, I feel them building nicely. Two words, physical defence. Yeah, they are good defensively. That's they? where they've been. And you know what? Composure. Much better this year. Much better. Tackle five, Manly. Uh, no Tommy Not on the tackle weekend. Tackle five, number five. Number five, whatever. I'm... <clears throat> I've got Manly as well. Manly. And we haven't compared notes here. No, nah, Manly again. They missed Cherry Evans throughout the origin period. They missed him for an extended period through that. They found some depth in some key positions. Tommy Trevojevic missed the majority of the year. You put those three blokes back on the field with their two starting front rowers who are outstanding. Farno, who was pushing Coruscant, doing a really good job. Sirenan has finally found the kind of form that got him into first grade. Joel Thompson's playing out of his skin. Like, even Moses Sully. There's a lot of guys that Des Hasler has to get a rap for for turning some blokes around. Yeah. They're playing good football. Number six, uh, Newcastle. I've got the Eels. Yep. And I can't argue with you either way. I think Newcastle was a hiccup the other night. It wasn't great. Uh, but get Ponga back in there, balance things out a bit more. Levi had his first game back on the weekend. Uh, you know, Pierce off that origin high. It was good of him to back up, etc. But I, I think that was a bit of a blip. Yeah, and on I've the radar. The, um, I've got the Knights at seven. Yep, I've got the Eels at seven. Again, hot and cold. They've strung a few together now. Things are, are starting to look a bit better. Um, and with the wins they've got and looking at their draw today, I, I think they're pretty likely to end up in the eight without without too much worry, to be honest. Yeah. So I hadn't <clears> I hadn't to win the spoon. I had no idea what to expect this year. They've blown me out of the water. Mm. So good on. Uh, and at eight, I've got the Panthers. I've got the Pennies as well. The most unconvincing six-game winning streak I've ever seen. More importantly, though, they're winning. They're winning. And on top of that, full credit to Ivan. And they're going to run in Ivan walked into a shitstorm. No one had more drama. He's had to nut through all these situations, the board stuff, Gus. But he just shuts up. He doesn't say anything. But then internally, though, like he said, kind of midway through the year, he's worked through any players that had issues, any bad contracts, any situations, and he slowly said, fucking Wanga Blake, there's the door. Dallin, you're not happy. There's the door. Jimmy, you're good. Yep, sweet. Sorted that out. Uh, Merrin in the off-season. Then he's gone Liam Martin. Brent Naden, who wasn't even <coughs> part of the club until late in the preseason. Like They've just cycled in a bunch of young blood. Brian Toto's got the upgrade. At the same time, making these smart moves, they've completely flipped their salary cap situation. Was looking dire. No offence again to what the board and feel good signed some long-term deals that they touted saying this is the future of the club. He's walked in and said, fuck, that's not helpful. There's a few shit contracts there. Yeah. And has changed him into some better players, more depth, and a bit of free space. And they're in a situation where they're potentially going to get Peachy back in the offseason for less than what they originally would have to pay or what the Gold Coast have paid. So yeah. I think they're in a great spot. And we know there's juniors coming still. There's still more players that are going to push you in the next couple of years. Hmm. Uh, Edward started poorly. He's playing good. Mansour started poorly. He's now playing better football. Tarmow's been better. I think Campbell Gillard's sort of getting there. Fisher Harris has been outstanding. That everyone that was playing bad at the start of the year has slowly turned around on the back of the injection of all this young blood and these fresh players that he's put in the side. Luai's appearances when he's came in, he's certainly showed why he's going to be the future replacement when Maloney goes to the other side to play with Nathan. Mitchell Kenny does more than enough of his job. Liam Martin provides energy. Uh, I think it's just crazy the fact that you can flip over almost more than half of your starting side from start to now and you've put yourself in this position. Yep. I don't really think they can threaten for the title. I think that's out of the question. 
But if they end up playing finals from what they've had to deal with and what they've started off with, I've included. Yeah, but they're a team if they get everyone on the park firing that over a four-week competition I, could I still could don't, go I, I don't see enough No, it could go on a run. In the fullback <laughs> and nine spot, I still don't think there's enough to win the comp. In the halves, I do. And maybe in the outside backs and, and the forwards. But, yeah, I, I question having a competition winning spine with Mitch Kenny and Dylan Edwards. My point is, but is that when they get, if they when get, they get it right, yeah, I agree with you. All right, power rankings very similar, bar that one. But moving into reviews of the games from the weekend. Speaking of the Panthers, they played your Titans. To be honest, uh, the score should have been bigger. That's probably the biggest thing I take out of this. Well, Panthers, I thought I thought Panthers were ordinary. I thought they were too. They lacked patience. And, and that, I do not say that disrespectfully at all. I say that disrespectfully to the Titans. Yeah, because I was disgusting. Because Penrith could have put 70 on the Titans if they wanted to. Yep. Penrith just played in first gear. They got it to second gear occasionally when they needed to. It was more an indictment on the Titans because they just didn't. They didn't push them at all. Well, I think Penrith carved them up enough times. <clears throat> it was just forcing a pass, not settling on a play the ball and killing it the next play. Just little bits like that. They really pushed the envelope and they carved them to pieces at will. In particular, going down the Titans' right end defence, their left side. Brent Naden got heaps of early ball. The amount of times that Luai skipped back in from the edge to the middle and either found a pass, an offload, or half a crease was ridiculous. Uh, the two Toto finishes were outstanding. He yeah. scored a couple of pearlers. Uh, and he even found some time to rest kick out. I, I didn't quite understand that, to be honest. What was going on there? Does he need a rest? Has he still got a bit of an injury? But he only played about 50 minutes. He usually plays about 80. But again, speaking like you said, the Titans. 24-2 yeah. to with Penrith somewhat underwhelming and almost seemingly resting a couple of players during the process. And uh, Yeah, I, I don't really know what to say anymore for the Gold Coast side of things. Those bad contracts we talked about earlier, and there's only those few young guys that I think are really having a crack or who you'd want to move forward with, but defensively they're awful. Um, you know, the players have definitely cost the coach's job. He made some cock-ups himself with signings and bits and pieces, but they haven't helped his cause, that's for sure. You never know if you're a good coach when you walk into a situation like that in a culture like that. Um, the only person who's even had a tilt on it, like you said, was Neil Henry. And the club fucked him over when he started to flip that culture. So, Correct. who knows? But the pennies keep pushing forward. Uh, I think Naden, wow, like, what an explosion. This guy was the captain of the side that won the comp or lost that grand final. I can't remember which one. They won the comp when he was in, I think. And he was the under-20s Australian Kangaroos captain at that point in time. Mm. Had to go the long way around the mountain, left the club, been to a couple of places, fell as far back as Shield on Massey, I think. And it wasn't looked like it was going to happen. Massey, yeah. Uh... And within the last 12 months, he's found himself back here with an opportunity after being at Newcastle, playing cup for their side. And now he looks like the guy coming through the juniors that we expected to see. He's killing it. Yeah. He's playing really good football. Um, then a lot of those younger guys, like we said, Edwards has overcome his hurdles. But Fisher Harris, man, he's a good footballer. He's nuts. Beast. I love Fish Harris. <clears throat> Titans. Brimson. Brimson's about the only spark each week at the moment. AJ Brimson. Yeah. Dogs Newcastle, 20 to 14. Uh, I thought Newcastle, plenty of energy, plenty of chances inside 20. You have to give credit to the Dogs in this situation. People are like bagging out Newcastle. I thought Dogs were great. I thought defensively, they were outstanding. I thought their energy was. Excellent. Uh, they scrambled hard. They covered up for themselves. There's a lot of half breaks or nose to the line from Newcastle and efforts that to make. I thought they were just relentless. They clearly don't have the flashiest forward pack or the biggest forward pack, and they don't get a lot out of their halves. They had multiple chances there to finish sets off well or find opportunities or you know roll up field. And I thought a lot of it came from their back three, in particular Dallin, who was outstanding, and Will Hopawato. But that was just one of those nights where they refused to go away for 80 minutes and. Their cause was definitely helped. 
in the second half when Garve put that late shot on Chris Smith, which when I watched on review, like it was a dog shot, but as soon as they sent him off, I was like, wow, they've really opened the door here for, for the Bulldogs, and they took full advantage. They kicked the penalty goal, scored a couple of tries, and at the back end of the game, Newcastle were coming for them, but they panicked. They threw intercepts, they dropped the football, they were way too frantic, and if anything, it's just a missed opportunity. That's one of those games. Absolutely, yeah. They probably expected to win. They backed up. And this is the one where you go, oh, look at the draw. They've got the Bulldogs. They'll they'll win that game. Well, nope. Well, I'll tell you what. They've only had one or two games where they've got blown out this year. They haven't been an easy out really for anybody. I think the only two teams that have really given it to them, Melbourne blew them out late in one of their games, but they gave them drama for about 50 minutes. Mm. The Roosters blew them out in one game. Also, the Dragons. Teams don't take them seriously. I I think the Titans and the Bulldogs (coughs) are clear... Two bottom teams. Mm. Dragons sit above them, but... Well, again, I'll, I'll take the dog's sits... effort any day. I, 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 I yeah. agree. I agree. Uh, I think... But they're the two teams that most sides go, OK, that's yep. a game we should win. Well, I thought for Newcastle, Connor Watson, he's been outstanding back at fullback. <laughs> Kenny Dow's had a couple of big games the last few weeks, but he still just has shit errors in his game. He does. But the amount of tackle breaks and when he does get his set start right, he's... He's pretty handy. Clemmer and Pierce to back up. I thought they did well. And Raymond was a lot busier than he has been for this part of the year. But, yeah, that's a big loss for them. For the Dogs, Dallin, massive game. The set start, top of Wado. Elliott's energy. I thought he was really, really good. And Harrow and I, he's one of the rare strike weapons that they've got that can produce an offload, get himself for the line or has some footwork. Um, I don't quite know what was going on. Again, it might have been something we didn't know about off the field or training ethic-wise when he was dropped by Dean Pay. But he's one they need to have in their team. Because yeah. they don't have many focal points in attack. And he's certainly one of them. And I know a lot of people that listen to us for a long time probably think it's a bit of bias here for me. I honestly think Michael Leach has been good the last few weeks. Yeah, you are fucking Since he's been back in. But um, You love him. I thought he didn't play too bad either. You so, love him, mate. Moving on from that one. South Manly, this was a cracker game. 21-20. I thought Manly had two periods in both halves where it was pretty much the same thing. They rolled. They had South pinned. They were struggling to get out of yardage. <laughs> You know, they didn't take their chances. Cherry Evans had the ball on string, repeat sets, kicking, Fanua Blake, etc. Those guys really getting them going upfield. And uh, that first try, the Suli one, I thought was definitely a knock on because it came off Cody Walker. They just blew it. Couldn't believe they didn't look at it. They check everything fucking else, but they decided they didn't want to look at that. And so that was kind of a surprise. But late in the half, I think the South showed their quality. They just had a little period there where they kicked into gear. Reynolds threw an absolute perler. Um, Short and a long pass. He had two examples there off nice shapes where he just made the right decision. They kicked themselves clear before half time and were looking all good. But yeah, second half, man, they come back after him. They came back after him, but you just you highlighted it and nailed it. Uh, it was that little period, mm-hmm. just that that little period. You know, we said it the week before. I think this was a very very similar game to the uh, the Roosters Tigers game the, the week before. Just in that it was very very close. Manly were on top for long periods of the game but they just couldn't really convert it. And South just had that one hot period, and that was the difference in the game. I thought uh, Curtis Hiram was fantastic in this game. He was Joel Thompson, like very, said, very good. Sully's form has been very, very good as well this year. They're getting good yardage. Probably, probably Reynolds was the difference, his kicking game. Yeah, definitely. I think Reynolds, again, icing it again with a field goal. Uh, Unbelievable. Like, and then you watch the, the game we're going to get to next, and like they couldn't hit the side of the barn. No. What about Reynolds that? gets one shot and bang. And just reminded everyone, I'd forgotten about that semi final last year we watched where they kicked three field kick, goals yeah. in a row. Yeah. Like, you got blokes that practice all week or have all the time in the world to knock a field goal over 
He just knocked three over from all different distances, heights, and pressures. Yeah. Needed to get one, knocked it over, and then we watched the Broncos have an absolute shootout, and we watched Cronk and Keary in that other game as well have a bit of a shootout before Clifford finally nailed one. But Adam Reynolds, he's deadly with his boot. He's absolutely deadly. But on their side of things, getting him back, I think that's huge. Yeah. Um, him back in the side frees up Cody Walker to do what he does best. I thought Liam Knight has really stepped up under Wayne Bennett. Again, he seems to have a knack of getting these guys in who've had trouble elsewhere or haven't quite met their potential. He loves them up real good. Um, he's going to be suspended, and I thought he was lucky to get away for the elbow he threw also in the rack. I thought that was pretty blatant, but he's done a good job. You got charged, didn't he? Uh, I thought the charge was hitting Cherry Evans uh, in the back. It was too, yeah. So he's lucky to pick up two charges. You didn't get charged for that. I don't think so. That's crazy. But he, he stepped up, uh, you know. Cook back in the side now. Cody Reynolds, again, build that relationship. Get Sam and those guys back. For Manly, you said it, Sirenan. Their props are outstanding. Like That platform every single week, that's a big reason why they're in a lot of games that they're in. Defensive this year, they're so much better. Um, Jake, just being that extra link player, along with Cherry Evans, had a good game. Backing up off Origin. Couple of dropouts, had a hand in all the tries. Very unlucky not to win that one. But I still think, again, like we said, Man, they're one of those teams that could definitely upset somebody at the back end of the year, full strength. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. They've proven it. They can. Uh, that's going to be a game that will hurt them uh, in terms yeah. of their top four aspirations. But for them to make it in the eight, like, they should have a parade in Manly for him getting into the eight. Desi's done a He's done job. a fantastic job. proved time. everybody wrong. Especially considering their two best players have missed significant periods oh, of time. Huge periods of time. And we question their depth. And again, good coaching is getting the most out of what people don't expect or getting more out of average players, etc., or just elevating everybody in the squad. He's utilised everyone in that 30, and he's had restrictions, so he's done a hell of a job. Broncos, Warriors, 18-all. Uh, for the Warriors, I'm more look at this one and say, how do you lose this game? They had 60% of possession total for the game. They were, you know, obviously with the extra time, the metres were above, but they were significantly above there. Uh, but they had 18 errors. They had a completion rate of 64%. Late in the half after conceding that soft try early through the middle to Payne Haas where he just bumped off three or four blokes. They carved the Broncos apart on the edges. <laughs> they scored twice on fifth player. They really rolled up field easily and seemed to do it easily on the edges when they played direct. Um, it's a very young Broncos side. Obviously, they still struggle in that department, especially edge defense. But 16-6 half time, this just, to me, is the Warriors. Yeah, they've had a lot of leads in games, like two try leads or a 10-point lead, and they've just fucking crumbled. Yeah. And late in this one, again, I thought they had opportunities to run instead of going to the field goal shootout. They didn't do it. And even the trial for Fita scored. Like, I know from the commentator's point of view, and I don't want to be a buzzkill, what a freak. He beat so many people. All he's done is get it on the short side there. He skipped back across a passive line where no one's tied in or no one's moved up and cut him off. He skipped across four or five players, got to Blake Green, who's not the best defender in the world, and just gone straight through it. Like, you watch that in video this week and you just fucking hit the roof if you're Steve Kearney. Mm. Like, what's going on? You've let him get across five players before he gets to a half, and then outside him there was another ten metres of space. Like, and and the half second half didn't start well, mind you. Three or four minutes in, obviously that mean bounce, which is you know a moment you'll forgive uh, Roger at the back there. I think I was that Luke actually come back to help him to bounce over his head, and Darius Boyd scored. But end of the day, I think for them that's one they let go. Credit to the Broncos for fighting back. They haven't showed the best resilience. Uh, this part in the year, but it finished in a fucking shootout and nobody got the points. Absolutely. It was just... This is why I hate Golden Point. I know, Buster, ah, anyone that didn't like that 10 minutes, yeah. you know, you should have 
you don't know rugby league. And then they like, said it was well, just messy. They yeah. said if you didn't have it, then you look at the Roosters game and that would happen. Draw at the anyway. So we just wasted ten. ten minutes. Yeah, I think if you're going to go to Golden Point, it should be until someone scores. You have to get a result. It shouldn't yeah. be ten minutes. Field goal, try, whatever. You have it to get matter. something. Yeah, yeah, one with you. Um, Roger to last check all year. He's the one. He's the one constant. He broke the record for most meters in a game. Three hundred and forty-six meters. Crazy. The bloke's a weapon. The amount of times he almost set something back up, cutting through the middle of the field, breaking tackles. Uh, he had a few loose passes, but he's just he's a freak. Ken Marmola, I'm going to throw this out there. Every year there's like a winger or something that goes for another level. I think Ken Marmola is close to one of the best wingers in the competition. His carry, his yeah. yardage work, his post-contact meters. He's cleaned up the one thing that used to kind of wipe me for him, which was errors. He used to have shit errors when he's played the ball or in his carry. He's still got him in the game. Most wingers do, but this year he's been fantastic. Like 200, he, he went off with a head knock, and I don't know, if, I can't remember if he got back on. He still had 250 metres. He's almost averaging 200 metres a week. Crazy. He's, he's, he's a beast. going, and Tavanga had a few unfortunate moments, but I tell you what, he's a heck of a player too. Uh, he made 72 tackles, 184 metres. He's got second phase in his game. Yeah, he got knocked over a few times. I know he dropped the ball, but week in, week out, like people going, oh, Tavanga was terrible. Look at his fucking teammates. At least he's having a dig. There wasn't many other blokes ripping it like he was. Um, there's, yeah, there always seems to be the same names week in, week out when you talk about the Warriors. Broncos, I think the move for Milford to go to fullback has been great. It's freed him back up. Watching him run the football again kind of reminds me of the 18-year-old, 17-year-old kid I saw at Canberra. Early doors, his kicks from the back, I thought he did a pretty good job. And then they're two front rows. Mm. Haas and Lodge couldn't have done any more in this game. Haas is try-saver in the 86 minute to get back in mind the ruck there. And then to identify not to overchase on the fullback. He saw that his man had him covered. He followed the inside trail and Tavita Harris and rolled him over. That guy's a freak. He's yeah. a dead set freak. Um, but the draw, good or bad for both sides, I guess the one point's better than a loss. But it's yeah, it's an awkward spot to do it a ban. But if they get enough wins, which I don't think either of them will, it still might get them that one point clear depending on results. But I, I think that was a must win for both those sides. Well, yeah, absolutely. Storm Sharks, 40-16. to 16. Um, Cameron Smith's 400th game at home. Milestone game for the Storm. Everyone backed up from origin. I don't really think there was any surprise in this. When, when it comes to big occasions, they get up for it. And Cronulla coming down off the back of a couple of losses. Wade Graham not playing. Gale didn't back up. A couple of guys got injured during the game. That to reshuffle their edges. But more importantly for me was the first 10 to 15 minutes. The two front rowers, Bromwich and Nelson, just went apeshit. The platform they laid, um, it was incredible. Uh, and I was disappointed from a, a fan point of view that we kind of shut down for a little bit there. And in the second half, they got a couple of quick tries down that right edge, but they wrote the wrong pretty quickly. Yeah. When Melbourne <clears throat> woke back up, they went 22 or 24 points straight and... Um, yeah, like I said, I know Cronulla ended up missing a couple of players and the reshuffle certainly didn't help. But I thought Cronulla acquitted themselves quite well. Mm. <clears throat> uh, the scoreline blew out a little, but I thought they were probably in the match for 60 minutes. Again, it was just a couple of 10-minute periods there where Melbourne got tries in bunches and that was a difference. Yeah. But it was they were the lock of the year, Melbourne. 400th oh, in Smith Melbourne. at home. Like, Everyone up. backing up. <clears throat> um, and I've heard some of the Cronulla players comment on that since and they've said as much so yeah Brandon Smith <laughs> the, the, the Smiths as a pairing had a Mental great case. game together that bloke's an absolute psycho I more love the fact what you talked about before getting culture and getting the right people and he came out the other week because as journalists do they like to niggle and nag and try and plant stories or get dirt 
and say he could go anywhere right now and play hooker and get a massive contract and demand this and demand that. And he's like, why would I go anywhere? I yeah, love being I here. To go I love being here with Cameron Smith. I love being at this club. I'm so happy I'm here. I don't want to go anywhere. Yeah. He's happy to do the job that he's doing right now. And I know he's getting paid well. He's not getting the money he'd get as a top dollar hooker. But they're not underpaying him, that's for sure. No. And he's doing, to be honest, like I'd take him over most locks in the comp. He's a fucking psycho. Yeah. And he has just... Well, rock. he's in that Radley Murray mould. He can. He's got a tip. He's got a pass. He runs like an absolute prick. And we've seen when he did play for New Zealand, it's not like so much deception and ball skill. He's a pit bull terrier. He dishes the ball. And if you give him half a chance to run, he'll knock blokes over. He'll drag it. He'll get him on the ruck. Playing through that middle third, he still brings that energy. And more importantly, as a bench player, he brings a hell of a lot of energy. But, yeah, absolutely. He, he's your absolute ideal bench player, cover nine, cover 13, and <clears throat> he could play 80. He's nuts. And he's well and truly nuts. And he's young. That The props were great. Smith, uh, you know, you run out of superlatives. Now let's listen to this here. Just an absolute difference maker. No one has more influence and control of a game. He makes average forwards look better than what they are. He dictates the ruck. He dictates the speed. He makes defense <clears throat> stop. He's got the best kicking game that I've ever seen out of a hooker. I can't think of many other hookers that kicked. Uh, as much in general play, let alone had as much effect with their boot. He's a goal kicker. He jumps out and plays second phase link up sometimes as a first and second receiver. There's nothing the black can't do. He's a freak. And more importantly, the durability that everyone talks about to get the 400. He's been playing for 18, 19 seasons now. He's only missed a combined 17 games through suspension and injury. And he's played 500 plus if you include his rep games, which is insane. Maybe he's insane. It's absolutely fucking insane. <clears throat> and he signed for next year. Obviously not playing rep footballs agree with it, I'm you'll sure. Play, you'll play another year after They're that. talking about a year and another year on top of it. So as far as I'm concerned, again, I was kind of sitting there going, I don't want to lose him or Harry Green or these kind of guys. But I tell you what, if Smith's playing the way he's playing, why would you retire? Because that's the other side to it. It's one thing to say, oh, this guy played 400 games. Like, there's guys that have reached 300 that by the end have racked up 100 off the bench, you know, or moved to a few clubs to get there. Cameron yeah. Smith's form over that period of time has been fucking ridiculous. He's incredible. That's the scariest part. It's not just 400 games. Tell me a shit game he's played. He's been elite <clears throat> for... Yeah. Tell yeah. me a shit game he's played. I can't think of... There you go. Yeah, I really... Off the top of my head, I can't go back and go, he had a shot. The only game that comes to recent mind wasn't a shocker. It was a bad game for Melbourne when he got binned last year in that penalty fest at Cronulla. Yeah. And again, he wasn't bad. Melbourne were bad. But, like, there's not many weeks where you could sit there and well, go... Well, that probably, that probably highlights a, a big advantage as well. Great team, great coach, great club. So that that helps. But he's still got to control his performance. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, for Cronulla, I thought Johnson had a better game, but now he's going to be out injured anyway. You really was good again off the bench in Catewell. Catewell's on the market. He's one that's actually been linked to your mob. That's the kind of player I think you do want to go after, but at the right price. Um, but Kurt Catewell is certainly a versatile player. A couple of injuries, bit of a reshuffle this week. We'll get to that and do our tips later and see what the lineups are. Roosters Cowboys. Uh, I thought the Cows were very good in this game. The platform they got from their forwards, that deck looked amazing. You couldn't have had a better conditions to play rugby league. You know, penalties, errors for the Roosters, I think, kind of didn't help themselves. But I think the most disappointing thing is them defensively. Yeah, them, absolutely. Them defensively, you generally associate great contact, dominating rucks, good line speed, but more importantly, inside 20. They're a brick wall. Inside 20, there was just some poor misses. They had some average inside tie. Like the Josh Maguire try, like watching that again, if you were Trent Robinson, you'd be filthy. He skips back across a couple of defenders, a couple of guys overcommit. 
Uh, I think Jared missed him of all people, and the inside tie wasn't there. Um, and then I thought on the flip side of that, they were impatient inside twenty with the ball. They tried to force and things. They were. They were sideways. Like, I don't think they played direct enough. No, nah, get a repeat set and build pressure. They, they just seemed adamant about that to score. And they, they made, I think, three times as many line breaks. I think line breaks were 62, so they had ample opportunities and they, they did enough. But, yeah, I, I still go back to what I said earlier. You put Tedesco back in next week with friend who's had a long layoff. He made one or two errors, but I thought for a first game back after a long stint, he was excellent. The yeah. 40-20, the try he scored, having him back at the ruck. Radley's so much better playing 13. Um, Tokiaho off that injury next week if you've got Toki Jared Radley Liu Orbison etc Tedesco Frant like it pushes Manu back to his preferred position I think he's been doing a great job at fullback too to be honest they're just going to be better all over the field they've got decisions to make more what I said the other week between Ryan Hall Tupo and Brett Morris because you're not moving the trail or Manu and you certainly Tupo to me this year has been outstanding and he signed longer term. And yeah, those other two guys are older. So to me, it comes down to Ryan Hall, Brett Morris. I don't think they're going to drop Tupo. And Tupo's also got the connection with Latrell Mitchell. Yeah, I'd probably still take... That's a tough one. It's tough. And I think... Depends. If you want yardage work, you go with Ryan Hall. Hall. If, if you, you want, want finisher, finishing, you go, you go with Morris. Morris. Yeah. And Morris is playing on the side of the field. They probably don't attack as much, to be honest. So... And Tupo's doing a good job of both. He's doing very good things in yardage exactly. and he's a good finisher. And he's got that relationship, like we said, with Latrell Mitchell. And he's a, he's a kick threat. Yeah. So for the, a couple of errors he has, I think he's been much better this year. He's not going anywhere. No. And he's got a longer-term future. Ryan Hall off an ACL, older bloke they brought down here, looking for an opportunity at a really good club. Good on him for coming down here. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Taking that challenge, and Morris obviously got picked up on an average deal as well because he got out of the Bulldog situation. So they've got an embarrassment of riches in that situation. And then the bench forwards that we spoke about, you said last week if Crichton didn't play better, you got Tupanua, you got Nat Butcher who's pushed himself into a starting spot during this period. Like they've got some real good headaches on their bench as well. They well, got they do, yeah. Great depth. So I, I don't see much wrong for the. The rooster side of things, but for the Cowboys, I think that was a real positive to have Morgan out and have Huge Clifford result. finally take control of the game on his own, dominate the result. I thought his kicking game was outstanding. He's got a really good kick. The try he scored just off that nice bit of width and the platform they laid, getting between defenders and the three field goals. Like the first two that he missed, he absolutely fucking piped him. I know there was some win there, but man, you couldn't hit him any better. Uh, I thought he had a great game. Tamara is good as always, and Drinkwater's brought the point of difference that we said they lacked at the start of the year. If you have two genuine halves, which we know they do now, in a Morgan and in a Jack Clifford, and now you've got a genuine threat at the back, you can actually isolate teams or you can put shapes on or you can put links together. And I don't know if either of them's a genuine seven. They both seem like they're good ball runners. Like we've seen Morgan dominate, obviously, that ran to the grand final, but I think they both prefer to run. But they're in a situation now where I don't think they need a dominant half. I think they can split play both sides of the field and you've got somebody like a drink water who can pop up and sweep both sides. Yeah, I would agree. But you're now not in a position where they were before with just a Morgan where it was like, you've got to play seven, you've got to control, you've got to do all this and take away from the best part of his game, which is running. 
and or not having Barber or drink water at the start of the year in a situation where wherever Morgan, mate, you just push an extra number to that side of the field or you brought pressure for marker. Like, they're in a much better spot. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I haven't really looked at their draw, but if they stay healthy, which, you know, touch wood, they haven't for most part of the year. They've had some rough runs. If they get home with Clifford, Morgan, and now having drink water in there, and there's Ford Pack and stay on the field, McLean, Scott, Tamalolo, Hess has slowly come back in and hopefully starts playing good football. They're one of these ones, again, that if, if things fall the right way and it's going to take a bit of an ask, they could maybe jag eighth spot. But it's going to take things together. Right I, I think they've... They've let a few too many slip already, but yeah, we'll see. Close. We'll see. But good result by them. Uh, Eels, Tigers, 30 to 8, 18. I think the big difference in this one, again, penalties and errors, and Tigers certainly have their opportunities, but also goal kicking. Yeah. Goal kicking certainly makes a difference. And Isan Masters this year surely got the worst record in the league. He's kicking at 68%. And that makes a difference to results. And at the end of this one, Parra got a couple of early penalty goals. They scored. You know, kind of try for try. They kicked away at one point there, but the fact that the Tigers' first three tries all went unconverted to go on with Mitchell oh. Moses knocking ones over from the sideline and being perfect, uh, it just bridges that gap over time. Oh, the Sharks 2.0, weren't they, for this oh. game? But oh, I thought the Eels... I thought they were the better side. Always, always looked in control of that much. Uh, <laughs> I think both of them defensively need to do some work on their left edges. The Tigers got pulled apart multiple times. The soft try where Takarangi just went through... Brooks and Mbaya. Then there was some indecision a time after that, but they scored four times down that edge. For the flip side, the few times they got after Parra, they got them on their left edge as well. Hoffman was caught in the back pocket of his uh, back row or his half a few times there. Sevo jammed in once or twice trying to solve things on his own, but yeah, that's something they need to iron out in the weeks coming through. I know he's obviously had different centre partners there, but if they're going to stick with Hoffman long-term and Sevo, that obviously needs to be straightened out, but uh, on the right-hand side, I really like their, their right edge. Now that Maru's back in, Moses is playing some good football. Uh, you've got Takarangi, who's a bigger body. I still don't think he's a natural centre, but he's got that ability there under kicks and under control. And then you've got Ferguson. Some of the finishes he's had in minimal space the last few weeks, he's been incredible. Yeah. And then getting back Maru with Brown, I think, just makes them an angrier, more aggressive team. Like Brown really holds that middle together, and they're getting plenty out of their bench. Terrapano is suspended this week, but have him near Corey and even Gao. Gao is kind of one of those guys I've looked at for a few years and kind of thought, yeah, you know. He has I thought he should have retired two years ago. But he's, he's, now, playing well. he's now doing a really good job. He's so, playing well. Uh, <clears throat> they're getting plenty out. And Dylan Brown's obviously going to find his confidence. He didn't have the best game. He's made some errors yeah, for a couple of weeks. But he's a kid. 19 years old. Coming back from injury. Off the back injury. Uh, and they're putting some form together. That's the most important thing. They're not up and down. I think that's three in a row now. So. Good. Well, and against decent, tough opposition as well. I think for the Tigers, uh, they quitted themselves well, but again, errors, penalties, defense, and I don't think Michael Maguire could get much more out of that sponge. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're they're still punching above. But Benji Marshall in his three hundredth, he had a couple of nice moments. Thought Corey Thompson again at the back. Um, obviously, I think one of the turning points involved him when he was offside for that try. Yeah, they went down the other end after that, where they could have kicked ahead. Takarangi scored twice in the space of a couple of minutes for half time, and it blew out. Uh, and gave them that bit of a lead. But uh, Nofaluma, obviously, another one back in the grade doing well. Para, Moses, Takarengi, Brown, Mahu, etc. They had a lot of good contributors on the weekend. And the last one of the round, this one doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. Raiders over the Dragons, 36 14. Forget the fact they were poor, lackluster, uh, lack of energy. I know they had a couple of issues early on with Lattimore, and I thought there was a head knock possibly to Laurie, and he played on for a bit longer than what he should have. Um, 
I think the more scary part is in the second half when there was 12 on the field, they still got outscored. They just look inept. They look like they don't know each other defensively. Uh, their middle defence, their line speed is quite poor. Their edges, they're still making too many errors coming out of yardage and in their back five. Dufty, why he has brilliant moments where he runs 80 metres, he's made three errors in this game again. and Yeah, he, he's way too hot and cold. I think the only real consistent thing for them this year with their origin forwards in and out of the side is Cam McInnes. And Sabah, I think the worst part for them defensively is on their goal line. Like There weren't really many long-distance tries. There were shit tries from like 10 out, 5 out. Like, just some real crap defense, poor contact or poor reads. Just guys going up past the ball. It just... It's, Short passes. It's not the pretty. Dive-overs on the try line. It's yeah. horrendous. <clears throat> and I don't know how you fix it. In, you know, Then this week, again, we're not up to that part yet, but Ben Hunt's apparently been arrested, like... If you're going to rest players, you would have done it last week. Mm. Off origin. But they're in a dire situation. Their, their biggest uh, issue at the moment is attitude. Oh, their attitude's yeah. poor. And their energy's low. They look like they've got players playing with injury. So Yeah. And again, you can <coughs> heart back to the DeBellum thing. How does Paul McGregor respond? We can still win it. Yeah, that's... Poor. It's pretty extreme. Poor. Not seeing many sides of them winning the comp, that's for sure. Poor. But there's talk that Widop could be back within the next week or two. If that happens, to be honest, the way Dufty's been playing, I'd be I'd happily move Dufty out of the side. Whether that's Norman to go back to one or that's Widop, I'd probably put Widop back at one. But again, with his shoulder coming off another shoulder injury, I'm not really confident with him on kick returns. Mm. Ravalawa is another one. Like Pereira obviously had the neck injury. I said about New South Wales cut the other week, and I think they've cleared him now of recovery. How the fuck Pereira ever got dropped when you've got Ravalawa and Dufty and these guys making errors week in, week out? He's just beyond me. Yeah. I thought he was probably their most safe option in yardage and a good finisher. But, yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do there. But, yeah, for the Raiders side of things, excellent. Defensively, again, I thought they were very, very aggressive. They got to that period very, very well. Josh Hodgson, when we talk about spine chains or players coming in and out, the C's are white in combination. is settled nicely. Charles Nickel clogstad has been just absolutely brilliant. He was awesome again the other night, but... Hodgson after the injury a couple of weeks back in he had a hand in three or four tries controlled the middle nicely gets him going forward off the advantage line and he just runs the game for the middle of the field couple of nice kicks Papali in career best form uh, to Pine after having a real interrupt the start of the year I think he's starting to find some form so it's all kind of happening at the right time and they've got a chance to build nicely into the back end of the season yeah no they look really really good Canberra really really good <clears throat> there you go but fan questions box head Terrence, Man, I love fan questions. I know you do, mate. I know you do. Terence Turnbuckle says, Boys, look forward to your thoughts on the Meninga review that goes for eight weeks. Fire on the coach the day before the publicised review. And then we don't hear anything about the review. To be handed down and then announcing the review didn't recommend either way on the coach. Only thing actually needed. Can't argue with you there, Terence. Really can't argue with you there. Uh, Luke Fluency says, who are your top three defensive centers currently in the NRL? I've got Farah and Josh Morris, but I'm sure of a third right now. Your thoughts? Jack White would have to... His performance in origin. I know he's not a center. When he plays that center. Jesus, he was good in origin the other night. Uh, I think Will Chambers is still going to be right up there. Off the top of my head, I'm trying to go through a couple of these teams right now off the top of my head and think 
It's pretty bloody hard to come up. You know who was actually doing a really good job a couple of weeks ago, fresh in the grab, was Pat Herbert at the Warriors. Mm. Pat Herbert. What happened to him? Did he get injured? I think he had an injury, but he's one of those guys that naturally when we talk about it, like decision-making, coming in or landing on the pass, he's not a guy that hesitates, get caught in no man's land or goes for the ball. If they're short, he generally lands on the man or the pass. So I think yeah. <clears throat> as far as technique and reading a game, he's definitely one of the better ones. Um yeah, I'm again looking at some of these lineups. It's probably the only one that springs to mind right now. But yeah, Chambers on his day can still be pretty good. I think he's lost a step or two, so he gets beaten a little bit more on the outside than what he used to. Mm. But he's still a pretty decent player right there. There's a few comments here with people being angry uh, about, really angry about the Dragon situation. Surprising. The old boys network. And now we got a Gav hypothetical for Brock. <coughs> you are yeah. tasked with choosing the next Titans coach. Would you consider Brian McDermott? Uh, yes, but uh, I, I don't think he would get the job. I'd consider him. I'd sit him down. Yep. Brian McDermott for anyone. Yeah, who's Leeds Rhinos, now League. Toronto. Yeah. One Good operator, pretty hard, hard man. Um, well, yeah, I don't know how many grand finals he won, three or four over in the Did UK. Did a good job Leeds, there, so, that's for sure. Uh, a different character. Yeah. He's, he's in... Um, He's an ex SAS. So he'd be a hard bastard. He's a hard bastard. It's probably what they need, to be yeah. fair. But, uh, yeah. Ethan Shields, if a player is put on a report and found guilty, should one of his suspensions be against the team he committed the offence against so they're an advantage over his disciplinary offence? So I think he's saying, should if you get multiple games, should one of those games hold off until you play them again or something? I think that's the reference he's trying to make here. Mm. I think it's just... You keep it how it is, mate. I think that's overcomplicating things. I know they don't gain advantage at the time if there's foul play during the game, which has been spoke about the last few weeks. But I think that was kind of the whole thing about the Raiders blow up on the weekend. Uh, I know the player wasn't injured and he wasn't disadvantaged, but from foul play, they sat somebody down finally. The other week, I you know can understand like when Terra Pro KO'd Rapana or moments like that, you'd expect a bloke to go for at least ten in the bin, yeah, um, to try and give you some advantage. But yeah. Gab again says, hop there for Lewis now. The Roosters are in need of a new recruitment manager with Adam Hardigan moving to West. Wow, I didn't know that. There you go, neither. Would you throw your hat in the ring if they advertise the job? I'd bloody love to do a job like that, but I highly doubt the Roosters are going to come knocking on my door. Why not? Anytime soon, but I will say one thing. Easily do that job. If there is a dream job, it is going to watch football. And I think from watching enough of the junior footy Adam's that we do. Adam's a year older than me. He was out of Blacktown Pats. Coached Matson Ball at the Roosters, moved into recruitment. Actually, I think he coached twenties as well. Moved into recruitment, done a good job. Mm. Done a very, very good job. Um, I sat down with him two years ago, actually, to talk about a potential position at the Roosters and doing some stuff um, in development. But that it never really came to fruition. The position, but um, just to sit down with him, good operator, nice guy. So he'll he'll do good things at the the West Tigers. Yep. <clears throat> Again, Gav, we'd absolutely love to have a job like that. So, see what happens moving forward into the future. Always looking for opportunities, no doubt about that. But the Buckster says this generation of NRL players is full of fake tough guys. Ooh. Players who carry on and would have been ironed out if they did what they did 20 years ago. In your opinion, who are the fake tough guys of the NRL and who are the real tough guys who would make it during the 80s and 90s? Dale Finucan He's tough. is a real deal tough guy. Yeah. Fake tough guys? Oh, man. I'm going to say Jared's a real tough guy. I know he's got some dirt in his game, but... I'll say Jared Wallace is a fake tough guy. Um, he'd be one. 
Who else? Jared Warrior back in the 80s with the way he plays. Man, you would have gotten some fights. It would be excellent to see. <laughs> Jared would try and fight fake some people. tough guy. Aaron Woods, I'll throw him in there. I think Maguire's a bit of a fake tough guy, to be honest. Like, he's a niggler and he chirps and he gets a lot of dirt shit in, but I think he hits guys third man in a lot. And he, like, a lot of his stuff's off the ball and kind of niggly and grubby. Like, you don't see him iron blokes out one on one or confront people in that sense. I'd say Josh Maguire's a bit of a fake tough guy. He does play the game hard, but I, I also think... Cam think Murray, tough. Yeah. Sticks his head where I wouldn't put my foot. Well, if you're going to go in that sense, I, I think you'd have to say Jake Jaboy, if you definitely survive in that period of time, the way he plays and tackles. Yes, sir. It, well. it depends if we're talking <laughs> fake tough guys as far as, like, aggressors in the competition. If you're a prop, like Campbell Gillard for me, I'd throw him in there. He doesn't come off the back fence at all. Like watching him on uh, off kickoffs, he, he ran into Boyd at one stage there... And seriously, they wouldn't have bruised a grape between them. And I think probably... He, 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 when he first came in, he was aggressive. Yeah, really He aggressive. was abrasive. He pushed you in the head. He, he wanted to get in your face. Now, yeah. he's sort of lost his mojo. Mm. And again, don't I know... I hope he gets it back, but at the moment... I don't know the five, six-year deal, the, the broken jaws, the money. Like, there's a lot of things that come into play. Yeah, look, like, and it's not a personal sliding against him, but... No, nah, it's, it's He's well below, well below where he used to be. Yeah. Don't disagree with you. Doug Waters says, off the back of Watkins, could the Titans do a Raiders and as unfashionable NRL, which can struggle to recruit the right players, target a core of Super League players to get a hungrier culture, particularly if Holbrook appointed, is there the Super League talent? We don't have trouble attracting players. I don't care what anyone says. We have trouble I think getting get, the right players. I think that and value for money, though. I still think you guys pay overs. <coughs> I think I think managers. Well, of course, we play overs if every fucking player that comes up plays like shit. Yeah, well, which is what happens. Tell me a player that the Titans have purchased, high-profile player that the Titans have purchased, that's played above his potential at the club. Well, in in more recent times, not the fucking Cartwright era. In more recent yeah, times, I'd say no. Do there you go. And that's, that's the reason why you're on the bottom of the comp. But I also think, again, that managers take the piss for a lot of players that when they can't well, get a better deal... be above that. Yeah, they, they should be, but that's my whole point. They just seem to accept players and go, oh, we got this guy. And like, it's like, well, what's he done recently? Yeah. Like, don't yeah, fall into that trap. Like, get a good, hungry young player or a mid-tier player who's looking for a more opportunity to play first grade. And be, like we talked about before, build a good culture or work off that mm. and hope that that leads to one or two guys maybe looking going, you know what, they're not the flashiest side, but they play good football, they play hard, or there's an opportunity, like, build off that. Everyone looks at them at the moment, like you're saying, if you're going to just buy everyone scraps or pay overs and just goes, fuck that. Yeah. Like, unless I need a pay packet or I can't get one elsewhere, I'm not going to the Gold Coast or I need an opportunity. Like, it's just, it's all wrong. Uh, what do we got here? A lot of people angry about old boys clubs. There's some conversations going on within conversations here. Oh. And David White, can someone tell me why we still keep calling knockbacks or drop balls that go back or even balls that go straight through someone's hands and knock-ons? Right. I'm an old bloke that was brought up with the basic of the rule is the ball must be propelled forward. Well, that one, again, that's hit and miss every single week. Some are called knock-ons, some aren't. Um, depends on refs interpretations, but it's borderline touch football at times, must admit that. That if it does hit the ground, even if it does go backwards or even sideways or flat, uh, they give it the flick. But we've got someone come in on the tough guy situation. They said that Lodge and Maguire would have melted if confronted by the likes of Steve Roach, Gordy Tallis, Les Boyd or Dallas Donnelly. The list is long. Tough guys, um, I'll get back to you. Mm. So, not many in the modern day. 
for most people. David Crellin says, Penrith's comeback from third last to top eight. My bias eyes have a staying in the eight. Do you agree? Yeah, I think so. From looking at the draw today, I had them right at the bottom of the eight because they've got some harder games or some finals teams on the way back in. But given what's going on around them, I think they can probably find themselves right at the bottom of the eight, mate, which would be huge considering to the start of the year. Brad Milan, who's got the biggest busted nose, Blake Ferguson, Stella or Pinocchio? Fergus is absolutely trashed at the moment. It's... Uh, not the prettiest thing I've ever seen, that's for sure. You reckon, Brock? Cooper Cronk's got a pretty ordinary one. <coughs> he's going to get... Oh, no, he's, he'll get it fixed when he finishes at the end of the year, I guess. Mm. But, yeah, you're right. He's honker. It hasn't exactly been uh, in the best shape as of lately. And moving on to the Facebook ones, if they have a load here, Boxhead. Oh, this is painful. Sometimes the internet's great. I need. Well, you can start paying the bills. Sure, house brother. Start paying the bills, mate. <laughs> I will look, mate. I would if I could, but I don't have a house, mate. There we go. Here, what's going on? Internet. What are you doing to me? All right, we're on. David Asik with a Brennan sacking mid-season. What are your thoughts on sacking a coach mid-year? If there's ever a right time to move a coach on, when should it be done? A year in advance, immediately after the postseason, when the club season is over, etc. When would you do it? To me, end of, I, end of the year. Yeah, I'm more of an end of the year person, and you'd plan it and have a meeting. I think far out if you're going to do something like that and let them know, and start tell them that you're going to be moving on and you're planning for things forward, but you want the year to finish off, do a good job. Rather, I'd rather that than walking around on eggshells like they were in this situation and dragging out for another four to six weeks if they already knew. If they knew they were going to fire him, they should just fucking fired him. Yeah, just. What a waste of time. You're fucking fire, Bob. You're fucking fire, Bob. Denny Ward, should the Dragons sack McGregor this week or next week? Oof. Dragons fans, not happy. Similar situation. Let's let's be honest. If they fire him tomorrow and we sit each other away, who are they going to lie? I think Holbrook actually did the 20s in their situation. Would you reckon Holbrook tomorrow you'd take the Dragons job before you'd take the Titans job, wouldn't you? Mm. But then I also go to the situation where the board gave him two more years. So they're going to have to pay him out for two more years if they sack him. Yeah. Why do you give a contract extension if you're just going to flip somebody that quick? So this is a question of, is it coaching? Is it the playing group? Is it a culture thing again? Is it depth? Like, to me, part of it's depth. Like uh, I think their main forwards are busted. We're not heading out the door and not being healthy right now. Normally missing a patch of the season. And now you've got Gareth, oh, sorry, Jack DeBellin's whole situation. Like they've never replaced him. They're not going to be able to replace him. But this dragging out, they still haven't got an adequate player or player or two in. But I also said at the start of the year that I think that their depth is horrible. They refuse to use some guys for a reason, which just shows they're not doing a good enough deal in that department. Ian Millwood, I'm pretty sure, is more responsible on that side of things with McGregor. But I don't think McGregor has as much say as what Millwood does. So I'd be having a hard look at Ian Millwood right now and going, what the fuck's going on with that top 30? Yeah. Because that's got to be part of it. Yeah. And then the other one, I said this a couple of years ago and a lot of people got angry at me. James Graham never should have got a three-year deal worth close to 700 grand. James Graham goes hard week in, week out. Don't get me wrong. But he is not worth $700,000. And off the back of his injury, right, and the amount of fucking head knocks the blokes had, all the word is he's going to take the third-year option. And if I'm the Dragons right now, I'm doing everything in my power to get him a job or do the old backroom thing and put jobs for the boys. I want that 700 grand in my cap. Because there's not a whole lot left on the market, but he's not bringing a whole lot anymore, poor James Graham. And everyone's going to blow up and go, oh, how could you say such a thing? He's great for culture. He's great for the group, this, that, and the other. They've got a fucking origin forward pack. They don't need 
so much a forward leader or a teacher at this point in time. They need a guy who's going to help with results on the football field, and I don't think he makes a dent anymore. And for his own sake at this point in time, like Christ Almighty, how much more punishment can you take? But yeah, I'd want that money back. And I don't know what happens to the DeBellin thing, but they need to spend that money too. They do. I don't know where they spend it, or how they spend it, or how that works out if he gets cleared next year or whenever that's all sorted out. But that would give them, if they had those two basically cleared, close to $1.3, $1.4 million to spend. And they've missed out on guys that were on the market that I mentioned a couple of weeks back. They need to make better bench forwards to go along with it. So if you were available right now in the market, they could have had a crack at a Josh LIA. They could have gone after Adelphi Manley, who was on absolute pickings and gave him a bit of an upgrade or tried to fish him out of there. You've got a Penny Terrapo, who, again, I think would be on a pretty average wicket. You wouldn't have to blow the budget. But you get three guys straight away, I think, for a pay packet or a combined packet of basically what you'd have for James Graham or not much more. Yeah. You need depth in your forwards. You need to bring something off the bench. Their biggest problem this year, last year when they kind of flattened it, was the same deal again. All these guys have played origin or are carrying injuries. Their bench doesn't deliver enough. And then when they even lose one or two of them, when Corbin's been out, uh, when those guys were in origin, etc., cetera, like, there's just not enough there. No, it's and fair. Like, the Dufty thing as well. Like They extended <laughs> Dufty knowing that Widdop was going to try and iron that over. But watching Dufty right now, I'm not sold on him either. Like They've got they've got more questions than answers. About The only thing that's locked down is their nine and most of their forward pack. They need a better bench. They need, they need their back five to be sorted out in the fullback situation. I'm just, yeah. Yeah. Robert Cadura says, thoughts on Ben Hunt getting a rest, a million-dollar player, when his team's desperate for wins. Well, mentioned it before. I think if you're going to rest him, you would have rested him last week off Origin. So, I don't really know. <laughs> He's been so, dropped. It's, yeah. I, I you don't it, get rested. I thought he was dreadful, but... Poya Katabi says, Thoughts on Graham Annesley's proposed change to simplify the rule and remove knock-on when two players contesting the ball. I like it in theory, but think it will remove a number of instances of use of video ref or at least speed up a review. Yeah. I agree. I'm still on a point there. Yeah. I don't think you can get the ball back after someone's <laughs> touched it there. Like it, it go, and I mean more in the Moses Suley context. If you're juggling a pass and somebody touches it and you've lost it on the way through, like I'm happy for that to constitute a knock-on. That's kind of always how I've seen football. I know they go back and look at replays and all that, but I think you have to have some accountability for holding the football. If you lose it in a tackle and again it comes off a body, yeah. I don't agree. That, I guess you know, and then I think if anything, it's probably going to create more grey area because and then you're going to have, well, he only just touched it. Yeah. <clears throat> Easy. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if it would clean up a whole lot, to be honest. Campbell Scott, would you rather have all dogs try to attack you when they see you or all birds try to attack you when they see you? Birds, definitely. That's very, very random. Yeah, I'd rather have birds pet me than dogs try to absolutely maul me, that's for sure. Ian Stanmore says, do you both watch the games with the commentary on or on mute? I'm really over the number of retired players on Fox that I'm forced to listen to. Really wish Fox would scale back and stick to intelligent debate rather than Finch making jokes on the sideline about how many teams he played for. Yeah. It's, uh, it's gone too far. The Fox stuff's gone too far. It's now a, Matty John's bagged the shit out of the footy show, um, saying it became a variety show, and Fox League sort of turned that way in some aspects as well. So yeah, uh, and there's a lot of jobs for the boys. That's what our game does. Yeah, sure does. Turns <laughs> a few out. Jay Fleming says, "What odds would the pro sports seeing it have on Mary? <laughs> seeing his full contract." So again, he would be 
long odds. Well, I don't know the whole ins and outs of the dragon side of things as well, but from also part of the mail I've got, a lot of that board is obviously heavily on the dragon side, which is who he played for how, originally. How long has he got left on his deal? He got two more years on he, top of He's going to see out at least this year. If they start ordinary next year, he's a chance of getting sacked next year. Yeah. Matt Cherry, is anyone else surprised that Darius Boyd has kids when they watch him tackle? He seems to pull out of everything. Wow. Oh, that's heavy. <laughs> Tom Rogers, if you were Mal Meninga this week, what would you do, uh, you do? Both long and short-term changes. Would also like to nominate old mate who used to give us the passenger of the week for passenger of the season. <laughs> uh, what's his name? I can't remember. Tommy Rogers. There's too many There's too many names. and that, that's MVP of the question so far. No, no offence to anybody out there. Reading these week in, week out, I lose track sometimes of who puts up what. Passenger of the passenger week. Passenger of the week. We said this not long ago. Come back. Where you at? Yeah. Get on board. Uh, if you're Mal Meninga, the long and short-term changes, well, like I said before, in my earlier opinions, I don't want him there. If I'm Holbrook or I'm taking a job, I don't want someone like Brock basically said in that position of performance and culture step. That's what a coach is for. Yeah. I don't want Mal Meninga above me. You got a daddy above you. So plain and Telling you what to do. Mal Meninga, short term change, help him find a decent coach and then get out of there. Because if they need you there over the top of someone, well then fucking, they clearly don't have the right coach. Yeah. Justin White, what's considered a send off offence and will we see more of them after Sunday? No qualms with a call, but. Seen familiar, I just put on a report. I don't think I don't think we'll see more. I, do I think there was part of that that was <clears throat> a result of a few that probably should have been send offs that weren't? Maybe, but I, I think it's a send off. Yeah, I also think within the context of the game, it was an easy send off. Didn't impact the game at all. The game was over. If that's sixteen all with ten to go, is that a send off? It makes it a lot harder for the referee to send him off. Sure does. Pat Crosby, Mal's Australian merit team. So basically, yeah, comment. I didn't agree with it. I don't agree with it, but I think a lot of people didn't read again the criteria is they have to have played in two or three yeah, games. Get that. So also for an Australian team at the end, and everyone's like, oh, that wouldn't be picked tomorrow. No, it wouldn't because you've got to bring into consideration because that DCE wouldn't be in there. Yeah, and Jio would be healthy, and I think Jio would likely after his game one and Papali would go with a smaller forward pack. Mm. And I said it last year, and that made a lot of people angry again. Oh, look, David Clemmer. What is being great at club football, but I basically said that we're going the way of that mobile back row or a locked up forward. Yeah. The way we played in game two with Fanukin and Jake and what we saw Papali and Arrow do in that first game, along with he had Maguire on the bench. To me, Maguire either starts or he doesn't play. He doesn't bring impact off the bench for me. That spot would be Frizzell. Like, I'd have a very lightweight yeah. forward pack. It wouldn't probably involve a clamour. And I think you still need two straight out props. <clears throat> Yeah. That's what I think. I, I put it this way. If we play New Zealand and we do what we did in a game where they used to have the other World Cup final where we had Aaron Woods and David Clemmer and that's going up against Martin DePauw, Jesse Bromwich, Jabari Howard, Graves, etc. We're getting fucking iced. The only way to fight them would be to have those good, mobile, powerful kind of middle players that we use like Adal Finucan, Yuchabojevic's Murray off the bench, Tyson Brazil. I'd rather attack him with that than send out David Clemmer and a Woodsy. Let's put it that way. Woodsy shan't be running out. Woodsy. Well, Mal likes Woodsy, so who knows? Uh, what else we got here? Daniel Ryan, what is the hardest position on the field as a defender? If it's centre, being an ex-representative centre, why can't Mary coach the Dragons centres and wingers how to defend effectively after five years as an hour old coach? It's a fair point. Yeah, probably centre. Centre's probably got the hardest decisions to make, I'd say, on the field. Yeah, any one of those outside three, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. 
Eric Smith, why does everybody like the Roosters more than South? The Clavelli toilets are surrounded by Killjoy lifeguards on patrol, <laughs> whilst the glory holes at Maroubra are pumping with hot surf and cotton water. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, super. That's just funny. That's it. Eric, funny. well played. <laughs> Classic, Eric. Greg Bale, Kotrick spear tackle, looked very average and not defending him, but it was made worse by Lafayette trying to get to his front for a quick play the ball. Doesn't explain the jump though, does it? Well, I was about to say. Some, someone, I heard someone say, what, what do you want him, it might, it might have been Gus last night, what do you want him to do there? Not, like, not jump? Not lose your feet to he, start with. And he jumped, he didn't just like fall over. Yeah, he I, launched him. And like the bloke's built like a fucking brick shit. What also annoys me is a, lo- a lot of commentators who want to bag out coaches and bag out clubs and bag out players about their tackle technique and grappling and wrestling. How many of those people within the media have been down at an NRL session and have watched a tackle technique session and asked questions about what the players are taught? Mm. They don't know. Because I've been at three NRL clubs and all three NRL clubs defend totally differently. Yeah. And they're taught three different things in my experience at those three clubs. Or even between what we're trying to teach now at West... And now... At, at, compared to... I, I teach a mix of, yeah. and at school I teach a mix of. Yeah. And again, from my limited kind of bits and pieces outside of playing and or coaching now, the Penrith development stuff when I first stopped playing was completely different again um, to when I played at Canberra, again to when we had a coaches at school at St. Dom's who were from the Parramatta setup, again to now being at West. And having now Maguire passing down different things to what, say, Ivan was into. All coaches have differences. So it's, you know. And the game evolves. Yeah, and there's some things that are common among all, but there's differences between all of them, no doubt. Lyle Cato was Walter saying no to the Titans to position himself for a second Brisbane team. Who knows what he's thinking? Yeah, I, I think he's more just jockeying to try and put it to them like they can come get him, but I wouldn't be going for him in the first place, so. That's my thought on that side of things. Darren Corn, Wunga, Blake and Jennings to come into the back line for the Eels in the next few weeks. Can they win the comp this year? I, uh, I, I don't think they can win it. Um, I, I, again, if you said they play a grand final... They're not consistent enough across 80 minutes and week to week for me, particularly defensively. Could they get hot for four weeks like we said earlier on? Yes. I think they could, but like honest chances of winning the grand final? No. And with Wunga, Blake and Jennings... Yeah, I think Wunga Blake gives up more rocks than he does diamonds. His best day is absolutely outstanding, but he's yet to prove he can do that week in, week out while he's a quality player. Adam Ingaro says, if you were taking over the Titans, what role, what changes to the roster would you look to do? Well, a whole heap. As I said before, I'd be trying to get rid of Ash Taylor. The hardest thing is getting rid of those players because you'd have to either pay for part of all of them or, you know... So well, you've got, you got Taylor, Taylor, Pete's, Boyd, Boyd, Proctor... Pete's, I think, is workable. I'd like to be in the inner sanctum and know what's going on there. Proctor, as well, I think, is workable. I think purely for injury. But if you're looking at Boyd, Taylor, and Peachy, let's let's underestimate and say that there's two mil straight away. Two mil of your nine that you're going to get back straight away if you can just move them on. Uh, And you're not not going to be able to obviously just move them on. Um, And to be honest, I'd like to move Wallace on, but again, I think you have to pay part of the freight. Well, he, he keeps. But they paid he him. Keeps saying, "Well, we paid him overs, didn't we?" They paid him. Now, he wanted huge money to go yeah. elsewhere, and they said no. Then they ended up paying him what he wanted anyway. That's so what I he thought. He got close yeah. to six, seven hundred as it is. It's crazy. The only one who they gave a contract to, I thought, earned his contract, and even he wasn't as consistent. Was Ryan James? He's a long-term servant. He's pushed for those Origin sides, and his last year or two actually hasn't been that bad. Seriously, I heard Martin Lang last night on Fox Sports News rip into Ryan James a little bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, he just said, look, <clears throat> he's now 27, 28. He's got to be more of a leader on and off the field, and he's got to play better. Yeah. No, I don't disagree. But it can't right now. Mind you, he's been, he's been off the f- out for most of this year. So. Yeah, he did his ACL. Mm. Can't really do much about that. Uh, <laughs> this Rob, year. Yeah. Rob Carter, with the importance of goalking becoming abundantly clear in the past few weeks, would you consider starting an inferior player in their position if it meant uh, having an 80% goal kicker in the run-on side? Also, could you ever see the NRL introducing specialist kickers like the NFL? Not sure how that would even look. Well, you wouldn't be able to do that. Um, there's definitely been guys in the past that have picked purely on their goal kicking. There's been better players in yeah, the Halligan and Elmajuri are two guys that you could get away with it. Not, I think uh, Wingers <clears> Elmajuri was a good player, yeah. better player than Halligan, but different. The game's type. changed now. Yeah, an Elmajuri type wouldn't survive in today's game. <laughs> Need him to have 15 to 20 yardage carriage per game. He was a good finisher and a good goal kicker. But like you said, different purpose for your wingers at that point in time. Yeah. Completely different purpose for wingers at that time. Uh, I think there's been a couple of guys that stayed. Like Luke Cavell had a really good career. I'm not knocking the guy, but I'm sure there would have been some wingers you probably could have gone out and get if he didn't kick at 80%. Again, he did play for New Zealand, so I'm not hating on him. He was a bigger body. He was more moving towards that typical kind of guy they were going to, but he wouldn't say he was the flashiest player in there. No, he wasn't. Um, yeah, but I think there's a couple of guys that have definitely got to run purely off their goal kicking, that's for sure. Vandal kick it, uh, Cricket, Raiders... Post-match press conference thoughts. Well, I guess we kind of went over that earlier. I thought Ricky Stewart carried on a bit, to be honest. Yeah, he did. Um, and the whole they're being targeted thing, and he's always a victim, kind of gives me the shits. I'm over it. And I, I like Canberra, and I want to like Canberra, but Ricky Stewart makes it really hard for me at times. Like, I, I get a laugh out of him, but other times it's like, are you fucking delusional? Yeah. Like, what we, you know, I love the sideline thing, and he's so passionate, and he loves his players, and this and that, but like, yeah, at, at times, like, just give yourself a triple. You're just carrying on a... And then abusing a journalist and telling him that he shouldn't be involved in rugby league or a journalist if he calls that a like, spear tackle, dangerous throw, like, whatever you want to call it. It was a bad tackle. Yeah. And you just, yeah, he fucking carried on. <laughs> ben Fisher, what's worse, losing the Cricket World Cup in a super over or losing the NRL grand final in Golden Point? That super over was dodgy. Super over. How do you go back to the most boundaries? That's the shittest way. So to... it was a draw on runs, wasn't it, in the super over? I didn't even get to like see it, and I've got, I want to watch the KO like highlights package. No, I watched it. I, I watched up until twenty went, overs to go. Fell asleep, back. woke up, watched the last twenty overs, watched the super over. I'm pretty sure they both got fifteen, and then it won. Though it was on boundaries, it went back to boundaries. Though they should have had another over. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah. well, or give them one ball, bring them out, and make it like a home. Like, have another you know, club over. one. Have another over. But how if it's a you draw, get, uh, yeah, if you band. played 50 overs as a draw, you played one over, like, what's another you know 10 minutes? Kills? It's like the Soccer World Cup. Like, I've got, I got a few mates I went to school with my close group. Them. They like soccer. And I remember, like, I'd blown my ACL however many years ago, that big World Cup when Spain played in 2010. I think they played Holland or the Netherlands. Both weapon sides. No goals. Nothing in bloody extra time. Like, World Cup on a penalty shootout. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, the tension. I'm like, you've just played 120 minutes for the biggest thing in the world. Just take a fucking spot kick. Yeah, I don't like, like it. Like, I don't like it at all. And they're all like, well, I know they explode at the end. And, I, you know, I'm like, yeah, okay. But it all comes down to spot kicks. Yeah, no good. No. No. No good, mate. No, I don't like it, Brock, mate. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Duncan Bridgeford, who would win the 2018 Eels or the 2019 Titans? Hashtag Spoon Bowl. <laughs> Fuck, I think the Eels. The Eels are Titans, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think the Eels. Luke Smith, so many good buys this year. Could Nickel Clogstad be the best? Or is it Bateman? Clamour. Thanks for the pod and the work and time you put in it. Cheers. Nickel Clogstad on value for money could be right up there. 
like yeah. key position, doing the job he's doing. Like, there's been plenty of good buys this year, but if you want to go in particular, like the Raiders have come up with two of them. Clemmer's obviously done a really good job there. Uh, there's a few more that kind of skip my mind just because it's a bit later at this time of night, but uh, I, there's always like a, a good group of, say, eight or nine, ten guys that clubs pick up. They're just like, man, but clocks, though. Wow. I, I, I thought he was good. Said it like two years ago in here that there's a guy playing there at Cup. Warriors fullback, he's getting slight chances on the wing, but with Marmola, Fushitura and Shaq, clearly they're looking at it going, well, we've got guys similar age or younger on the same age. as much physical talent and ability, and he's definitely not going to play one with Roger there. They've ended up letting him go, but, man, it's been a massive win for the Raiders. Yeah. Huge win for taking that chance, that's for sure. Tim McIntyre, do you think Tim Sheens could coach the Titans? Uh, Tim Sheens to coach the Titans would, and if not, what about the head of football role? Also, what about Brian Smith to coach the Titans? I understand the past that he's at a club only for a season or two. I don't like Brian Smith. Brian Smith, nah. I think Tim Sheens could come back, but again, it's a similar kind of role to that male thing. I don't think... I think he'd be, he's much more qualified to be like head of a football department and help out a younger coach. So if you're going to say which one would I prefer, I'd definitely take Tim Sheens in a role like that. He wouldn't be in a cultural performance role, that's for sure. But uh, Brian Smith, I, I don't know kind of what he's up to today. I think he finished up in England last time, but yeah, I wouldn't be reaching for those guys. I think Brian Smith's over the Warriors. Mm. Aaron Tonner says, saw Martin Lang on Fox the other night, like you did. He yeah. said, is he Benjamin Button? Hashtag head tape. He looks younger. He's getting younger. How's that possible? He does look younger. Wow. <clears throat> Dom Coogan, he's another Dragons man, says Mary's job and the decision to arrest Benny Hunt. Well, I think we've gone over enough for that. But man, there's some angry Dragons fans. That's a common theme, I think, all sort of things. I think we all need to go over beer, Dragons fans. We all need to go over beer and we'll hang out and we'll talk it through. Shane Adard, if you were coach the dogs and had all the halves fully fit, who would you have in the six and seven out of Foreign, Lewis, Cogger, Wakeham, and Marshall King? Well, Foreign's a no brainer when he's healthy. I'd have Foran and the kid. Which kid? <clears throat> Wakeham. Yeah. I think Cogger is solid defensively. Uh, and he's a tough little bugger, but in attack he does enough a whole lot. I know a lot of people fall over themselves about Lachlan Lewis coming up with a few things, but he's got errors in his games. And, and defensively, I think he's pretty good. Wakeham, uh, Wakeham on the weekend probably showed a bit more in attack and a better kicking game. I think Marshall King's pretty underrated, to be honest. I think he's done a real good job filling in that nine spot, but again, long term. But if you ask me out of all of them who I think is a long-term first-grade half, I don't think any of them are really steady 10-year halves. Mm. And, you know, you fully fit Kieran Ford definitely is. All those other guys, I think, really needed... Would need, like, a dominant forward pack, a dominant side, and a lot of other things in place for them to be successful alongside a Kieran Ford. Which right now, honestly, you're not going to have a real idea because they don't have that. They don't have a dominant forward pack. They don't play off the front foot. So it is hard to get a real read on some of those guys. Yeah. I think all of them have showed bits and pieces uh, at times, but... Yeah, I, I, I'd really want to see those guys play behind a decent forward pack to get a real good idea. Dylan Collins, I'd like to formally apply as chairman and captain coach of the Titans. I'll do it for 150k and I'll actually bust my ass <laughs> and would recruit better players. Hashtag go team. Well, I think a lot of people would agree, mate. Uh, David Cook, Fittler is calling for the Titans to be kicked out of the NRL. Theoretically, no, if it did happen, who do you think should replace them? It'll be the second Brisbane team. Yeah, if you're going to put one in, that, that's the way to go. And Brandon Savage, Ash Taylor, first to move on from the Titans box head. I hope so. Straight onto it. Yeah. I can kind of say. I hope so, mate. Will Marchington, I've now been to 15 Knights home games over 10 years, all for fucking losses. Ever heard of a worse streak? 
could you see Gus working with the Titans? Uh, I hope so, but I doubt it. Yeah, again, I highly doubt that situation. Uh, but it'd be a hell of a coup. It'd be a lot better than obviously what they're working with right now, that's for sure. Yeah. Brett Sims, should the NRL take control of the game and stop listening to coaches, media and so-called experts and run the game for the fans and the good of the game, like rule changes that would make the better to watch? Your thoughts on rules that you would change? Seven tackle set. Yeah, we've had that one a few times. That's my. That's it. That's all I want. Seven tackle set. Mm-hmm. Is that the only one? Yep. I'd still like to see the any changes be dropped, but again, I'm not a sports scientist, and with all the stuff they looked yeah. at, they, they thought that wouldn't be a bad idea. And under fatigue, they reckon too many injuries, etc. Which again, I, again, I'm not a sports scientist. I'm not uh, in depth on all that kind of stuff. But if they say it's not, you know, not a possibility right now, it would lead to more injuries. Then yeah, okay. And I think for me, like the other way, the, the bunker. With all these camera angles and they're sending things up and going, yeah, no, that's a try or a no try. And then they show us another camera angle like a minute later. Like, if you're going to bother to send it up there, fucking use every angle. Yeah. If you're going to already waste enough time, at least get the decision right and show us everything at home as well. Yeah. More than one or two screens and then show us a minute later and go, oh, whoops. And the last one for this week, Scott Brownie says, well, the developments about CT and head knocks you see in the game, I often wonder why more players don't wear a headgear do you think there is a culture problem and it's deterring players from using head protection well unfortunately Scotty the headgear actually doesn't do a whole lot for your brain it does you, you don't even need something like you know a decent shot like a bit of whiplash and your brain can rattle on the skull headgears are generally only really good for cuts and for jaw injuries I've seen a few cases where people break their jaw and they've got the mouth guard and you've got the headgear strapped in to kind of hold things in place but for actual concussion purposes the headgear does nothing so uh, that's probably a main reason a lot of people don't wear it but there you go. Plenty of fan questions, Box. Love it. They're back. Much Love appreciated it, for everybody out there. But now we move on to Mr. Gossip and our tips and best bets brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Uh, get on board with the boys and their best bets. On the weekend, they originally sent through the Cowboys bet, and I said that with Michael Morgan out, I didn't mind the Sharks 10 and a half because they always give the Storm a hell of a game, so they can blame me for that one. Yeah, they got fucking pumped, and the Cowboys ended up winning. But... Uh, other than that, they had a couple of winners on the weekend. Uh, they went the Cowboys with that 10.5 start. They had the Dogs with the 6.5 start, so a couple of good ones there. And their prop bets this week, they liked people not to score tries. They had Heimel Hunt, Anthony Don, Jordan Rapano, Latrell Mitchell. So a couple of wins there, but uh, pretty similar kind of setup. There's plenty of games left for the back end of the season. If you'd like to try them out even at the back end of the year, only cost you for a month or two. And if you don't get a profit return on that, you get a package free for next season but if there's ever a time now's the time bro it is everyone's back get on get a short uh, taste if you've thought about it for the last year and a bit now's the time you only got two months left pay for two months pay for one month have a taste see how the tips pay out for you with the boys keep your eyes open for their best bets uh, but Mr Gossip and what he's got for us bro Herman Essie is talking to the Parramatta Eels and I got a bit of mail on this as well today basically What's happened there is he was on the outer at the start of the year, then he's come back to playing some good form, but with a lot of the moves that they've made in their salary cap, they've now decided they're probably going to have to shed a prop. So SES is the one they're talking about. Uh, the Dragons <laughs> apparently had interest in the year for the development replacement, which would have been a great buy, I mm-hmm. think. But, and then there was talk he'd go back home to the Warriors, but for Parramatta, they're obviously looking for a prop. I don't think it's a bad move for the right price. I actually like him and SES. Good football. I agree, yeah. Second bit, and no surprise... Mr. Gossip says Justin Holbrook is an absolute short favourite for the Titans job if he applies for it. So he thinks that that's going to be 
the man they go for if he does put in for the job. And the last bit he's got here, and you'll be happy about this one, Michael Isha has apparently been shopped around, but no one's interested. So he might have to look overseas. Lewis is interested. I don't have a team. I'll take him. I, I, honestly, in the middle of the year, and it was legit, the Roosters apparently rang him and they wanted to pick him up mid-season, but they pretty much told him to fuck off because of the Roosters. Yeah. <laughs> so they were trying to get a bit of depth. But, uh, yeah, I think if he went to England, he'd probably play well in that style of football. But that's all we got this week for Mr. Gossip. The tips from the weekend, we both got five boxhead. Mr. Gossip got four and best bets both went down. I had the Storm 1-12 to 12 that obviously turned into a blowout and I had kick out try-win combo. I got one, didn't I? Uh, actually, you did get one. I wrote that down. I got the Eels. You did get the Eels at the start, so good on you. Good job by you, Billy. No, I think it was minus one and a half. It, the Parramatta Seal. Yeah, you had the line on the Parramatta Seal. Yeah. And you are right. Correct. I can't remember what the other one you had is, but... Kick- I had Sharks plus. Yeah, all right, there you go. No, Kicking sh- things off this weekend, Thursday night football, the Broncos... Versus the Bulldogs for the Broncos. Corey Oates is back into the side. Jermaine Azarco goes to the opposite wing. Xavier Coates goes back into the reserves, and there's no other changes for the team that had the draw last week. For the Bulldogs, Aiden Tolman, Suaso Su have forced a reshuffle because they're out. Offie Ogden comes into the starting side. Demi Fualalo joins the bench. Adam Elliott has been promoted to the starting side. And Chris Smith goes to the bench. This is a tough one, bro. Because I think the dogs will give no, it's not. Broncos. all their effort. But again, being up there uh, in Brisbane, I'm with you. I'm going to go the Broncos. But the Bulldogs, there's one thing you can guarantee, and that's that they're going to give their whole effort every single week. So if the Broncos turn up half hard or have patches like they have in some games this year being a young side, there's a very good chance they can get rolled. Mm. Mr. Gossip agrees. He's on board with the Broncos. And the Pro Sports Syndicate, they're $1.38 favourites, $3 for the dogs, minus 7.5 is the line. 1 to 12 for the Broncos, 294.50 for the Bulldogs. 13 plus for the Broncos is 257 dollars for the Bulldogs. Second game in the early one on Friday is the Warriors versus the Sharks over in New Zealand for the Warriors. They've named an unchanged 17 from last week's side from the Sharks. Matt Moylan has been returned, uh, named to return at fullback, but again, they did that last week and it didn't pan out. If that does happen though, they've got Aaron Gray shifting to a wing to replace Brett Morris after his face got caved in last week. And Kurt Catewell has moved into the centres to cover for the loss of Josh Dugan. And Scott Sorensen is in the back row while Paul Gallen returns from his glute injury at lock. Matt Pryor goes to the bench and Jason Bakuya is out of the side. So Josh Morris, he's made a couple of changes this week. Looking at the reserves there, I can see that he's got Sean Johnson named. Even though everyone said he was injured last week. Kyle Flanagan's in the reserves, so he's a possibility to come in late there. And Will Kennedy, the young fullback who played at the start of the year in the 20, I feel that if there is a late rule out for Matt Moylan, Aaron Gray won't be playing fullback this week. I think Will Kennedy will come back into the side. <sighs> this is difficult. Uh, I, I can't be. tip the Sharks at the moment. I'm yeah, and I'm <coughs> the same. It shouldn't be difficult, but the thing is, out of the mail I got last week was that Moylan wasn't going to play. Sean Johnson was likely going to be out. Like if those two pull out and have a late reshuffle again and they're going over to New Zealand, as much as I like Fafita and the likes of these guys that have come back into the side, uh, I just think they're a bit of a rabble at the moment. So mm. as much as the Warriors are a bit of a shit show themselves, going back home and in a must-win game for both sides uh, after last week, I'll stick with the Warriors, but not a whole lot of confidence. Mr. Gossip, he's also on the Warriors from the Pro Sports Syndicate. They're outsiders, $1.97. $1.83 for the Sharks, minus one the line, one to twelve for the Warriors, three oh five, two ninety for the Sharks, thirteen plus for the Warriors, four seventy five, four thirty three for 
the Sharks. Panthers, Dragons, Boxhead in the Riff. Might be one that we attend, possibly, on Beer Hill. Possibly. On a Friday, good times. Uh, On the Panthers side of things, they have Nathan Cleary returning to this team that's chasing its seventh consecutive win. So Jerome Luai moves to the bench and Jed Cartwright is out of the side for the Dragons. Ben Hunt has been arrested and replaced at half by Darren Nichols. James Graham's named to start lock in his first game back from a long injury layoff. Blake Laurie shifts to prop with Lattimore out. Reese Robson, Jacob Hosts are dropped to the reserves. Pat Kafusi and Josh Kerr are the new faces on the bench. This one for me is similar uh, to before. Uh, I haven't seen a whole lot out of the Dragons. They were a bit of a rabble last week. The Ben Hunt thing doesn't make sense to me, and their forwards look a bit busted up. Penrith at home, <clears throat> six in a row, full of confidence. Freezing cold Friday night at the Riff. I think it might be similar to last year. Well, they Penrith. gave it to them just before Origin. So Penrith, Penrith, Penrith. I'll stick with the Panthers, but it'd be nice to see some sign of life out of the Dragons. And let's put it this way. They don't have any more time to mess around. No, no. It's go time right now. But with the Pro Sports Syndicate, Penrith are the favourites. Dollar fifty-eight, two thirty-five for the Dragons. Minus four and a half is the line. One to twelve for the Panthers. Two eighty-five, three seventy for the Dragons. Thirteen plus for the Panthers is three dollars six twenty-five for the Dragons. First Saturday game, Roosters night. It's a bit of a grudge match rematch after they had a few players out last time and copped it uh, against the Knights. And they're going to have a few players back in. James Tedesco and Boyd Cordner back into the side as they look to get back on track. Manu goes back to the centres. Brett Morris goes to the bench. And Corden's return sees Nat Butcher drop to the bench. Jake Friend is obviously back into the starting side this week. Radley reverts to lock. Liu goes to the bench. Tupanua and Farmasuli are among the reserves list. So for the first week where he's got things full strength, he's gone with Ryan Hallbrook. So obviously he wants yardage. Yeah. The forward pack is pretty much close to where I thought it would be. You got Jared, Friend, Tokiaho, Cordner, Orbis, and Radley, and then you got a bench of Liu, Butcher, Crichton, and Morris for now. Tedavano will be back from suspension in a week or so. I'm very surprised Tupanua hasn't sat on the bench, but they're looking very strong. Ah. And no offense to Brett Morris, but I'm not carrying a winger on the bench. No. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was a late change. Harsh or not at this point in his career, uh, when he moved there, I'm sure he knew this situation was likely going to be on the rise. Oh, he knew that he'd be in a, in a dogfight with the wingers. But, yeah, I, I'm not really surprised. He's played well too, Brett Morris. So. Yeah. On the Newcastle <laughs> side of things, there's some changes there. Callum Ponga is back at fullback. Kurt Mann moves back to 5'8". Tatiao Moga starts in the centres. David Clemmer is back in the starting side. Glasby goes back to lock. And Mitch Barnett's back from suspension. Connor Watson, Essie Essie and Bura all switch to the bench while Mason Lino and Josh King are out of the side. Uh, for me... It's go time again for the Roosters, Roosters. Now, having all their players back in. So I'll tip the Roosters, and, and I definitely think there'll be a bit of spite after the last game where Newcastle laid the boot in. Mr. Gossip, he agrees so far on all accounts, and he sticks with the Roosters. We're four from four here. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, they're $1.36 to the Roosters at three tenth the Knights. Minus eight is the line. One to 12 Roosters, two ninety four fifty for the Knights. 13 plus for the Roosters, two forty seven fifty for the Knights. The second one, Raiders against the Tigers down there at Canberra off the back of that tough loss last week and the Raiders just seem to have the wood on the Tigers in more recent times I don't know what it is but with them Michael Oldfield comes in to replace the suspended Nick Kotrick and in the pack Papali returns to the starting side Solio goes back to the bench for the Tigers the only change is Robert Jennings is left out of the side and he's replaced on the wing by Paul Momorowski 
down in Canberra in the form they're in, uh, I think the Raiders will have too much class. Boxhead. Raiders. Mr. Gossip agrees. The Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.44 for the Raiders, $2.75 for the Tigers. Minus 6.5 is the line. $1 to $12 Raiders, $2.94 for the Tigers. 13 plus is $2.65 for the Raiders, $7 for the Tigers. Cowboys versus Souths, $7.30 up there at 1300 Smile Stadium. This should be a good game, <coughs> this one. The Cowboys, there's only one change to the team from last week. Jarvid Bowen. He shifts from the wing to the centre to replace Jordan Carr, who is out. And Murray Tualagi comes in onto the wing for his debut. He's the young bloke we saw score a couple of ripper tries for the 20s the other week. He went well. For Queensland. Michael Morgan has been named among the reserves as he continues to be monitored after two concussions in two weeks. And for the Rabbitohs, Ethan Lowe is back after being arrested. Slot straight into the back row of Dean Britton moving to prop to fill the hole left by Liam Knight's suspension. Mark Nichols has been added to the bench. Bailey Sirian is out, and there's no sign of Sam Burgess. He was named last week in the extended squad. Now he's not on the side at all. This one, I guess, if Asiata is moved for Morgan and goes back into the forward pack and they readjust there, um, yeah. I can kind of taste an upset. Yeah, I'm going to tip the Cowboys. And the big reason why, <coughs> I like Sias, but the Dewey thing at fullback for another week, along with Tola, Britt, and now a foot bench of Amone, Nichols, Sua, Turner. I thought Sua was pretty good in the game last week, and Amone did his job, but they're still a bit lighter on in the middles. And this is at 1,300 smiles. This is pushing for the finals. And besides Shane Wright kind of starting, and rightfully so, he deserves to be starting, I think this is, this is a big opportunity for the Cowboys. So I'm with you. I'm going to go to the Cowboys for the upset, and I think it'll be a close game. Mr. Gossip. He's sticking with South Sydney in this one, and the odds are with the Pro Sports Syndicate. South the favourites at a dollar sixty-three. Cowboys two twenty-five minus three and a half the line. One to twelve Cowboys three forty two eighty-five for South. Thirteen plus Cowboys six dollars three thirty for South. Storm Titans. Uh, the markets changed slightly. It didn't come back in as far as what I thought it would. With Melbourne making a host of changes, Christian Welch is obviously suspended, and all of four of their players that played the whole Origin Series are being arrested in Will Chambers, uh, who's being replaced by Marion Seve. Shanda Earl is replacing Josh Adokar. <coughs> Joe Stimson's been named at six to play for Munster. And Tui Kamekameka is named to start in the back row for Felice with Tino Fasamulua, I can't even believe say his whole name, and Tommy Eisenhuth coming to the bench. Uh, Fanukin <coughs> is the only rep player because he played in the last two games. Not to be named, but our thoughts, Brock, earlier on, and you pointed this out, were you think Jerome Hughes will push Stimson into the back row and have Pappenhausen go to one, which yeah. will then push Kameka Mika to the bench, which would then push, oh, just a bit of a reshuffle, but I'd probably agree with you there. Makes mm. more sense That's what I think than playing like. Stimson. Uh, on the Titan side Bottom of things, <clears throat> the new assistant coaches, they've got a host of changes on this side of things. Michael Gordon is back. He's named on the bench. Anthony Don's been dropped. Dale Copley moves on to his wing. Branko Lee's in the centres. Jared Wallace goes from lock to prop. And Jai Whitbread is in the new lock. Fotuaka goes back to the bench. Leilani Latu and Sam Stone are also on the bench. And Shannon Boyd is out with an arm injury. Will Matthews and Mitch Rain have been dropped. I'm still tipping Melbourne. Melbourne. Regardless of the changes, I'll stick with them. And Mr. Gossip agrees. Now the favourites of the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.39. $3 for the Titans, 7.5 the line. 1 to 12 Titans, 450, 2.90 for the Storm. 13 plus Titans, $7.250 for the Storm. And the last game of the round, and one that I think, again, is going to be a cracker game Manly versus Para. 
a bit of an old school game, a bit of feeling in this one. But Manly, just one change for them. Tommy Trevojevic is back at fullback. Elliot goes to the reserves and Lachlan Coker holds his spot on the bench for the Eels. No need to tinker with a winning formula from last week. They have the exact same 17 Brock. Manly, that's yeah, a brookie. At Brookvale. Um, I think, again, cracker game, close contest. but They had a close loss last week and power to win last week. So Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Should be an absolute cracker game. Looking forward to this one. But Brookvale, uh, we're on board. Mr. Gossip, here goes the Eels. So And this one, the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.47 Manly, two sixty five para minus six a line. One to twelve for Manly, two ninety three ninety for Para, thirteen plus for Manly, two seventy five six seventy five for Para. Best bets, Brock. Is there anything you like? Cowboys. Right, Cowboys at the outsider. Cows at two twenty five. What price the Manly? Manly a dollar forty seven. Jesus. If that start was six and a half for Para, I'd probably take it. That's yeah, that, that I didn't expect it to be that. Mm. There's some interesting ones. I'll take the Panthers minus four and a half. <coughs> the pennies <coughs> minus four and a half at a dollar ninety. Mm. Man, this never gets easier. I'm so bad at this, like, on the spot. I should probably do a bit more prep. Later in the week, I sit down and like, look at teams and pick try scores. Put them on the page in, Nob. Find edges. Help people out, mate. I want to help people out, mate, because I'm on a pretty good run of try scores recently, Brock. It's, mm. it's been a good little period for me, mate. Fucking no one knows about it. I know. Because <clears throat> it's later in the week when you fiddle all your way through the bullshit. But I'm going to go manly 1-12 to 12 at home. 290 for them there. Uh, and similar to you, I'm going to take the Cowboys, but again, I'm going to take the juicier odds. I'm going to take the 1 to 12 at 340. Yeah. Good on you. Because if they do win, I don't think it's going to be by a big margin. So there you go. All wrapped up for another week, bro. We are. So big thank you. Must go to the Pro Sports Syndicate. Keep your eyes peeled for their best bets. Get on board with the package with only a month or two left. In this season, why not try it now? Get a taste of it if you've been thinking about it for the next year or two. See how the tips work out. There's no one better than the boys there. And the Penrith Solar Centre. If you're looking for a system, there is no one better. www.penrithsolar.com.au. Get on board today with Jake and the mob there. Award-winning service. They were named the Trades and Services Best Business in the local business awards for Western Sydney last week. So, boom. Full-on week. Questions back, power rankings back. We are on the charge to the finals. Back to full complement this weekend and heading towards, as we said, those spots in the top eight. Will there be much movement on the run home? We don't know, but we're going to find out. But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Thank you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 